This show is brought to you by the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only app you need to dominate fantasy football and become your own expert. In this app is fantasy player cards with every single fantasy viable stat, fantasy player grades, usage charts, start sit tools, who to draft tools, player comps, podcasts, consistency charts, game logs, coaching tendencies, articles, rankings, waivers, and every stat and advanced stat you need, including stats you can only find at Brodo Fantasy that are proven winning stats, including true throw value, true target value, true performance value, adjusted air yards, and true matchup ranking. All this and more is available right now for free. All you have to do is go to anywhere you download apps and type in Fantasy Football by Brodo, and you just download it and become your own expert. Dominate your fantasy leagues with the only tool you need today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only tool you need to dominate fantasy Football. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. It is time. This is the week. This is the one. This is. Are you, are you playing for something this week? The majority of you are. Whether it's for your buy, or it's for your playoff spot, or your, or even if you're fighting to not be in that last place, so you don't have to face the consequences of it. Everyone is fighting for something today. And that's why the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast is here with you. I am here with the Dynasty Don, the football encyclopedia, the master. You know what I said? I'm not even going to say anything else besides the master. Matt Ward. What's good, bro? What's good, man? Yeah, You've had better intros, but I appreciate it every time. You know, the master and then like I was going to say of disaster. But yeah, no, you're actually really like calm under pressure. I wouldn't say disaster is the is the word. And then I just blanked after that. Yeah, not my best showing. But uh, as you can tell, Michael's not here. Uh, it's just us two today. But So Michael's battling a cold. He blames me for this cold, even though I don't have a cold. My wife has a cold. And I told him before it came to the last pod, I was like, yo, my wife has a cold, but she got it from the baby. And she's pregnant. So when you're pregnant, your immune system's kind of suppressed. So it's probably a virus that like I kind of like just beat. That's why I haven't been sick for the last two weeks and they have. And... He's like, yeah, yeah, come through. And then this guy has the nerve, the gall, to say it's my fault that he's sick. <laughs> Get that immune system up, Michael. No, I'm just playing. But honestly, Michael sounded like crazy badly yesterday. And uh, uh, But Death. he cares. Yeah, he cares about this so much that he sends us his entire list and a note for each player in the entire list. So you're going to be getting some of Michael's opinions, uh, even though you're not getting Michael today. Uh, so... We got that stuff for you today. And by, what else do we have for you? We have everything. And I got to say... This is brought to you by the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. You listen to the ad before this. I don't got to tell you. But when I do my my uh, my research, man, it used to take me such a long time. And now, like, everything's in one place. And it's so convenient. And most of the time, like, it's my, my notes can be done without even opening anything else. And that's the whole point uh, of this. We know what it takes to make a fantasy season go and it takes research and it takes numbers and we know what all that takes because we've been doing it for six uh plus years uh and yeah we put it all in one spot get it the fantasy football by brodo app and if you want to support the app and if you want to support the show 
patreon.com slash broader fantasy stay tuned to the end of the show we got very important start sit questions from the patrons and we are be we're going to be going over the the fight for the playoffs in the broto leagues uh that we play in uh the the unlimited league where there's no positions and everyone is a free-for-all uh, and there's 32 teams and a, an ultimate winner will be crowned at the end of all of this so uh very exciting there as well and uh yeah, man. Um, Matt, it was your your birthday recently, yeah, so I do also yeah, want to say happy birthday, bro. Uh, appreciate it, brother. What is uh, what's uh, I wish you a very healthy and happy new year. If you if you could get, I mean, in, uh, not new year. I mean, like uh, life year. I hope you have a very successful yeah, yeah, yeah. life year. Oh yeah. Well, outside of this, you know, outside of fantasy, outside of like, uh, what's one thing that like if something happens this year that you just like. That would be like, yeah, yeah. Outside of this, though, because I know Brodo is definitely like outside of Brodo, outside of Brodo, like outside of fantasy football in general. I'm Matt, if something happened, something out of the blue, it's just like, yeah, that this is the time. <laughs> that's a weird question. I, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's tough to answer. I, I I want a dog. Yeah, nice. Is that a good answer? Hell I want yeah. A dog. Like, what type yeah. of dog? <laughs> I want a Shiba Inu specifically. Mm, okay. Like the, coin. the one with the point. Though, yeah, the po- no, no, no. I mean, yeah, maybe, yeah. The pointy ears and the curly tail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The sheep. The, yeah, I want, the I want one of them. Yeah, yeah, that's the meme dog. It's a cute dog. Yeah, I love that. That's dog. why it's a oh, meme. It's the best dog. Very cute dog. But let me tell you something, man. It's not. It's not a world. It's not a life without dogs. I've never actually had a dog, uh, but I love dogs. And it is not a Monday. Even though it's not Monday, it's Friday. Oh, by the way, thank you for being patient with us yesterday. Michael had this. Michael had this cold. Matt had this thing he had to get to. My wife, something happened, it, and it was just like all of us had a had a situation at the same time. And then, uh, and then, yeah, now we're here. So thank you so much for doing that. Uh, because on Monday you were here, but you know what? It ain't Friday either. It ain't a Friday without Mister the number one, the number one on the Brodo list, Donnie H. Those stories and more in just two minutes. Stay with us. Thanks for joining us this half hour. I'm Don Harrison. Around the world in 30 minutes. This is Headline News. I mean, the first headline that I would like to mention is easily yesterday's game. We don't get to talk about the Thursday game a lot on this show. I actually fell asleep during the Thursday game. It was quite the snoozer. (laughs) Your man wakes up at 5 a.m., and that game doesn't end till about midnight Eastern time, so um, I was snoozing for sure. And then the 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 chat from my brothers was absolutely going crazy, and they're like, "Yo, Timmy's gonna wake up and not believe what happened." Baker Mayfield, what came out of nowhere? He's been with the team for two days, leads them from a fourteen point deficit back to win the game. Holy shit, Baker Mayfield. Told you Baker was better than Sam Darnold. No, no, no. This does not mean he was better than Sam Darnold in any stretch of the imagination. Uh, there is no way that that is that is being concluded from yesterday's game. But I will say this: like, how do you how do you feel about it? And uh, yeah, yeah, talk to us about that game yesterday. I mean, gutsy performance. Obviously, it didn't lead to like much success in the fantasy columns. Um, right now, QB one though, because no other games have been played. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. More than like just the fantasy analysis, it was a very awesome narrative. It was great for him to see like the Raiders and the Raiders defense and that organization and that team have some serious self-reflection to do because they are in no 
means to compete really for anything. Um, clearly not a division title, clearly not even really a wild card spot now. Um, that was a detrimental loss. So, and they've got so much money tied into all these aging veterans. That's what that game said to me more than anything is that the Raiders are in trouble. I was going to say that I think one of the biggest takeaways is that the Raiders allowed this happen again. The Raiders have been getting demolished at the ends of games. I, I think there was a stat that I can't remember exactly, but last time they blew a game like this, the stat was this is like they've done, they've only blown leads like that like 10 times in their entire history. And four of them were this year. Now it's 11 times and five of them are this year. Like this is like mm-hmm. you're, four, you're up 14 in the fourth quarter to a team that has a quarterback that got cut basically by two teams in a row and you let him come back on you with backup players. Like, d- dude, that 36 is... 36 hours to read the playbook. Dude, like that was... That's, that's next level bad. That's the kind of shit that gets people yep. fired. You know what I mean? Uh, like Absolutely, that's, and you know this is this has just been what it's been with Josh McDaniels this year so far. This is just what it's been, and you know you're playing in a game where it's not a home game, but you it might as well have been. You know, yeah, it's not I mean, like you were so facing, high. right? It's not like you were facing the crowd either. It was just Baker Mayfield no, and so, Tutu so Atwell and most Van Jefferson Stadium in the NFL. It's always 50-50, if not more, for the away team because it's in L.A. and they're not an L.A. team, right? Like, Or, I mean, they used to be. That's a different narrative maybe for a different day. But, like, moving that team to St. Louis was detrimental for its fandom in Los Angeles, right? And guess who took over that spot was Oakland. It was the Raiders. <laughs> like, So, yeah, obviously it wasn't really a home game for the Rams. No. And so even, even more of a reason – to be down on the Raiders. Anyway, let's uh, let's get into good stuff. Well, not really good stuff. Um, Leonard Fournette, questionable for Week 14. He was not at practice today. Uh, he looked like he was trending towards not playing. Uh, by the way, I'm getting this from uh, from. Always want to give out the sources. Always give people credit. Roto World. Um, Todd Bowles says he was hopeful that his foot will feel better by Sunday. Uh, if he doesn't play, San Francisco is the worst matchup for running backs according to. Uh, true matchup ranking, and I think it's like that just overall. They've been incredible. So not an exciting matchup either way, but if Rashad White is the only guy in the backfield, much better play. I mean, of course, just volume-based, but I I have Rashad as kind of like a a bust-tier player in our Sleeper's Bust article this week, and for that exact reason, true matchup ranking and also a lack of confidence in in him as a player. Um, As soon as Lenny came back, Rashad fumbled on you know that first drive, and he was benched the entire game until the final reception that won them the game. So, yeah, maybe it was a lesson learned or, or so they were, tr- you know, bad coaching, like trying to make him feel like, you know, we don't need you until we need you, kid, like sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah but, but that said, like o- overall, I think it's a terrible, terrible matchup for, you know, as much as I love Rashad, it has been a volume-based play and a lot of it tied into receiving production. Well, it's going to be – they're going to have to do something. That, that defense is – is incredible there in San Francisco. It's really, it's the really best defense in the league. It's really terrible to see what happened to Jimmy G because, in my mind, the the Niners were like one of those teams on a Super Bowl tier. I agree. So it's, I mean, just slightly below the Eagles, but I would have put them on the same tier as the Vikings, regardless of what their record said. I mean, as far as NFC NFC contenders, right? Like, I would have, you know, I would even put them. I think Dallas and the Eagles are the top two contenders in the NFC, and it would have been like Vikings 49ers for me in the second place or the second tier. See me, I w- I'm I'm feeling more like Eagles, Niners, Niners with Jimmy G, 
maybe even over the Eagles in terms of just like overall. Nah, see, team. that's just craziness. They have no weaknesses. There's no weaknesses in the 49ers. I mean, Jimmy G is the weakness. Look what he did. Besides in his the last quarterback. Football. Besides the quarterback. That's the only weakness. It's the only one. Uh, DK Metcalf. Coach P. Carroll says that he will play in week 14. It's nice to have these practice reports that are like solid now that we're on a Friday show. Um, DK Metcalf will play. Great news against the Panthers. Excellent. Yeah, Matt, that's when I that's when I kick it to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's I think that's amazing. Uh, obviously, Panthers are a, a decent enough matchup. They they are kind of middling in tr- true matchup rank because they do have a good defense. Um, but DK Metcalf has I I think he's been one of the biggest like sleepers of his performance and where his ADP was going like, you know, well into the sixth and seventh round because people were fading both of those options because of Gino and DK Metcalf has been phenomenal week in week out sturdy floor wide receiver, you know, five ceiling, but he's hit that ceiling quite a few times where other guys kind of fluctuate in and out. Anyway, like DK Metcalf has been a league winning asset in my opinion this year, especially for his cost. Uh, Yeah, for sure. Uh, Debo Samuel removed from the injury report will play against the Bucks. I think that Brock Purdy is is good for Debo because it's going to be a lot of behind the line of scrimmage stuff, and Debo is the behind the line of scrimmage guy. Uh, Ken Walker, uh, Pete Carroll said that he is a game time decision, as well as DJ Dallas, both game time decisions. This is a really tough one to comprehend here because, like, where do you go? Like, how do you start anyone in this game with confidence? When you don't know who's playing, who's not, like I, I can't even think about having a a Seahawks running back in right now. How are you feeling? No, I, I mean I, Travis Homer, right? I guess would be the the or Tony Jones. Um, see, you don't even see. We honestly exactly. we don't know because we, <laughs> it could be either of them because Homer was injured. Uh, Tony Jones got the looks because, but he was the only healthy guy. So is it Tony Jones? Is it Travis Homer? Is it DJ Dallas if he plays? I don't think I don't think any of those guys should really be in your lineups uh, unless it's a desperation flex play, and all three of them are going to be dependent on who accidentally falls into the end zone. Yeah, yeah, big facts, and and you know it's a it's a shame, but it is what it is. Uh, don't be one of those fools that runs out and falls for just because he's a starting running back. Unless you're desperate, if you're in like a 16 team dynasty league, then maybe but it's you not, don't get Travis well, Homer I mean, in there. It's not one of those positions. I, I agree with you on that 100. percent um, But it's also not one of those positions where, you, like, you need to run for that running back. Look at how good Geno has been. They can just throw. Uh, this is an interesting one. Mike Williams was removed from the Week 14 injury report. He'll play. Now, the last time he played, he re-injured one, himself. One, one, one target, one reception, high ankle sprain, re-aggravated. Yep. <laughs> on the flip side, this is a matchup with the Dolphins who have been a bad secondary this year in a game that you're going to, they're going to have to score points to stay in this game. No doubt. You got the Tua Herbert connection. Herbert's going to be you balling. You mean like the narrative connection? Like the narrative, be, yes, yeah, like yeah, the narrative yeah, yeah. connection oh, of it's, them it's, going at each it's other. It's a strong one. Yeah. It's a strong yep. one. They're always going to be connected like that. And if you think these guys don't know that, they do. 100%. And Mike Williams is the big play threat. And Justin Herbert has been, ever since he's been getting healthier and healthier, He's been bowling. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that I'm comfortable starting Mike Williams. If I, I have a like an like in a flex sort of maybe wide receiver three capacity rather than wide receiver two capacity, but I'm and comfortable that, that, starting him. That is the benefit of uh, as you said this kind of uh, this Friday episode is is he's practicing full. He will play. Uh, he's practicing full. Will play. And if you've practiced in full midweek or you know by Friday, snap limitations are. 
you know, likely for Mike Williams, but if you're projecting above 75% of the snaps and, and, and therefore 75% of the routes, you definitely want Mike Williams in your lineups uh, against the Dolphins here. Let's get to Jerry Judy. He was removed from the Week 14 injury report, and he will play against the Chiefs. Cortland Sutton was ruled out. So that is the, the shakeup. I think the thing that I see here is I want me some Greg D in this <laughs> exactly. game. Exactly. How are you feeling? Yeah, read. Uh, 100% agree. Read between the lines. Uh, you don't. Greg Dulcich has already been the only reliable and worthy pass catcher of putting in your fantasy lineups. Not Jerry Judy, not Cortland Sutton. So with no Sutton, uh, I, I'm not necessarily boosting the confidence in Jerry Judy. I just think Greg Dulcich's floor is even more stable. You know, my brother Johnny, we were talking right before the show, and we were just shooting the shit, and he brought up we were brought up fantasy football, and um, DeAndre Hopkins came up because he was one of the guys who was always drafting DeAndre Hopkins. And he said, yo, you guys on the show don't give DeAndre Hopkins enough love because he is a complete difference maker. He came in, and my two teams who were out of the playoffs were in the ninth place. He came in, and he was a league winner right away. That's the type of numbers that he's putting up. I think he was exaggerating a little bit because that's what it's doing for him. But DeAndre Hopkins has been fantastic, and... um. You know, he looks like the DeAndre Hopkins of old. Uh, if you, there's any questions about who he was going to be when he came back this year, I think he's answered those questions. Uh, the team looks good. This is a, a bad matchup against the Patriots that are coming up. But it's good news for everyone that DeAndre Hopkins is practicing on Friday. Um, this I is- mean, I'm really interested. That, that's probably the game that I sh- am going to be watching closely. And, and luckily, it's on an island, so, uh, so I really can watch every snap. But potentially, and... You know, we might be getting to him soon, but, you know, Rondale Moore is still questionable with the groin injury and might not play or be a game time decision. But this may also be the first game that all three of Hopkins, Hollywood Brown and Rondale Moore are on the field together. And in Hollywood's first game back, he had more snaps, more routes, more targets than Hopkins. And and yeah, he was kind of in and out of a few drives um, with the injury that's hampered him in practice this week but going to be incredibly interesting because hollywood brown is as elite of a target earner as it gets deandre swift was not on the final injury report today great news if you have deandre swift on your team and we will be talking more about him in a little while uh Kadarius tony listed as questionable against the broncos uh, not really interested uh, there nope we mentioned Cortland sutton uh trevor lawrence uh questionable uh his toe uh you know, yeah, not, which is weird. We thought it was the knee. That it it did look like knee issues in the be, in the beginning, but you know, I mean, I mean, you know, you know how it is. He'll probably play though. I, I, I would say he'll play. And Titans, good matchup. And I mean, um, he had more rushing yards after um, he came back in the second half than like before he went out with the injury in this supposed toe slash knee ankle thing, whatever. So I'm not too concerned as long as he suits up. I feel good about Trevor Lawrence in this matchup. Corey Davis was removed from the Week 14 injury report. He'll play against the Bills. He had an illness, so uh, feeling better. Lamar Jackson, doubtful to play in Week 14 against the Steelers. Uh, we'll be talking about his backup shortly. Uh, big blow there. Uh, Traylon Burks, he looked like he was coming on, but he will not play in the game Week 14 game against the Jaguars. If you remember last game, he caught an amazing touchdown, held on to it, but got knocked out. Uh, yeah, so- can we just... Give some credit to how incredible that catch was in between double coverage while literally getting sandwiched between two guys and knocking yourself unconscious. Like that was one of the greatest catches of the year for a bad reason. (laughs) Yeah, bro. That was 
That was that was one maybe was one of the more knockout. impressive yeah. catches that I've ever seen. Yeah. Um that's all right. a nasty hit. Uh Josh Jacobs will undergo testing on his injured pinky finger that he injured last night. If you remember he missed a few snaps for his injured pinky finger. I don't think it's a big reason to be, you know, concerned. Amari Cooper, he is questionable for week fourteen against the Bengals. He has a hip thing. He did not practice on Friday. He injured the hip on Thursday's practice. So this is one of those questionable tags where you have to be nervous. Usually a questionable tag is a good thing. This one is not a good thing. How are you planning forward if you're an Amari Cooper rosterer? I mean, hoping I, – I mean, yeah, hoping he plays, obviously. If I'm a rosterer, you're going to have to look for a pivot in your lineups maybe – you know, in the same time frame, like in the same game slate, so that you just know that you have somebody ready to go um, if he was announced out last moment. Um, that said, too, uh, obviously downgrade him a little bit, knowing that he's injured himself in practice and it's questionable enough to keep him out of a practice leading up to the game. Geno Smith showed up on the injury report yesterday. Got a limited practice, but he has a right shoulder issue. Not good. He throws with his right shoulder. Definitely some concern to be had. Personally, this is a hot take. I think Carolina has a chance to beat Seattle this week. I, I, I'm almost I'm I would be comfortable putting some money on some plus spread points on that game. Just putting that out there. That's how I'm feeling. Um, Joe Mixon said said, "Oh, Bengals. Sorry, Bengals.coms." Bengals.coms say that. Uh, Geoff, Jeff, I'm guessing, Hobson uh, expects that Joe Mixon is going to remain the one following his two-game absence from a concussion. He is expected to play uh, in this game in case you were worried about uh, Samaji Piran. Unless you can think of anything off the top of your head, Matt, I think that's good for news. We got it, brother. Yeah, the, Michael would be, uh, I think it's, it's Friday, so like you can't really, 20 minutes is pretty good. 20 minutes yeah. is pretty good. Uh, well, 20 minutes, we know, with everything, with the oh, intro and, yeah, all well, that. You know. There's a lot of good stuff. It's Friday. Uh, it, it's it's Friday. It's Friday. Got to get down on Friday. Do you remember that song? Yeah, we're going to get flagged just for you singing that. Bro, I teach I teach kids that are in ninth grade right now, so it's like 13, 14. Bro, none of them know that song. None of them knew the-, the For the, good reason. None of, that like, knew the <laughs> none of them knew the movie Zoolander. I felt mad old today. Well, Zoolander did come out in like '99. I know, but it seems so. like yesterday. Bro, these kids weren't born yet. <laughs> Not even close to born, bro. They didn't even they they don't even know what 9/11 is. It's it's crazy. All right, let's get into um, let's get into this week, man. Uh, our tier breaker ups, the guys that we think are going to break a tier, going up, up, up. So if you're usually a wide receiver one. You are going to have a wide receiver. I mean, I'm sorry, if you're a wide receiver two, you're going to have a wide receiver one performance and so on and so forth. So before you go, Matt, I'm going to let you go first. But I do want to mention Michaels. Uh, and here I'm going to. I'm not looking for Michaels. There they are. All right. So. <laughs> all right. Uh, we have for the tear breaker up Jerry Judy. Great spot for target, says Michael. No Sutton. And Raheem Mostert played much more than Jeff last week and gets a tremendous matchup. Those are Michael's notes from the sick beyond. Uh, I'm going to talk about some people that 
directly contradict Michael <laughs> um, on, on, later in the podcast. Good, he's uh, he, he's here and he can't, or he's not here. He's he not here to himself. defend himself. All right, so Matt, <laughs> why don't you lead us off on the on the uh, live takes? Uh, who's your first uh, tier breaker up? I, we kind of segued it in a little bit of the news. It's Tyler Lockett, an honorable mention to how good DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett have been all season when they were both hard faded throughout the entire draft process. Tyler Lockett led the Seahawks with nine receptions for 128 yards, nine touchdowns, or one touchdown. Wow, that would have been a crazy game on 12 targets, uh, 30.8%. Lockett matched DK Metcalf. He had, they both played 59 um, offensive snaps. That was an 80% share each. Uh, and yeah, Metcalf looked good as well. Obviously, eight targets, 127 yards, one touchdown, but Lockett was the favorite target. Now the Panthers, who they face up against week 14, allow 27.7 points per game to the position. That's ranked ninth in true matchup rank with a positive points over average rating of plus 8.4% to the position. And Lockett's already, I don't think anybody would, unless you were quiz, like quizzing or, or looking through the stats, like if I asked you what Tyler Lockett's ranking was in points per game right now, like what would you think it is, honestly? Fourteen. Okay, well, you're actually much smarter than than I think consensus. Because yeah, he's wide receiver thirteen in points per game right now, averaging fifteen point six points per game, and is consistently one of the reasons why I kind of didn't think you would get that ranked outside of the top sixteen in ECR, even top twenty in ECR in in bad matchups. And bad matchups doesn't even matter for Tyler Lock. The most impressive thing about me through his entire season this year and, and how good both of those guys have been for fantasy assets is he's all of a sudden incredibly consistent when Tyler Lockett was always like, okay, he's great for winning you a week with that 30 point plus, but then he's going to get five games below six. So is he really worth having? Um, and yeah, this season's only one game with fewer than five targets, which came all the way back in week one. He only has two games below double digit fantasy points this season, which is wild. Like, I think that's wild to think considering the player profile that we had assumed Tyler Lockett to be his entire career. Um, and he's caught a touchdown in five straight games. Speaking of consistent, he's pulling a 23.2% target share with a top 20 true target value. And it gets a smash matchup. I think it's absolutely asinine to have Tyler Lockett ranked outside of your top 15 receivers this week. Complete agreement with you on that one. In my home league, I left my draft with Amon Ross, St. Brown, Tyler Lockett, and uh, Alan Lazard as my three wide receivers. And my entire league shit all over me, telling me that I had no receivers. Everyone shit all over me. Well, who's laughing it's, now, motherfucker? So there's a um, shout out JJ Zacharyson. He has he posted once like something pretty awesome and it shows exa exactly essentially how often stacks finish in the top 12 so at least one pair of wide receivers essentially will finish in the top 12 in points per game um per season like we've seen chris godwin mike evans last year jamar chase t higgins who would have thought it would be dk metcalf and tyler lockett this year not many unless you were thinking that tier was wide, wide. receiver four or wide yeah. receiver three <laughs> Um, all right, let's get into uh, my tear breaker up. This is a guy who I had as my uh, one of my uh, stock downs, but I made it very clear that I was this was not a stock down and sell the stock and get out. This was a stock down for now, but this thing's about to hockey puck up. And that was DeAndre Swift. And we saw last week DeAndre Swift start to become DeAndre Swift again. 51% of the snaps, 14.6% of the targets. Over 50% of the rushes. Jamal Williams, only 30% of the snaps. Um, still, obviously, very involved in the run game. But, dude, that is 
important. He had 14 carries to uh, to Williams 11, and he had six car- targets to Williams zero. Uh, that is that is inc- inc- incredibly important. And the important thing about DeAndre Swift is, yes, you drafted him to be an RB1. Yes, you did. You took a shot on him, and he hasn't been that. But he also hasn't been terrible, and he hasn't killed your team. He's been playable in the games he's played, and now this is his first chance to really come back from that injury. This is the first time he was off the injury report before the game. He had no injury designation whatsoever, and he killed it. And you're facing a team now in the Vikings who, this is why I love this tool. Defensive points over average. This is why I love this tool because there's no doubt about it. Now, J.C. Jackson gets on the field sometimes, but there's no doubt about it that DeAndre Swift is the pass-catching back for Detroit. And if you look at the matchup of the Minnesota Vikings, you will see on your app that they give up 21 points a game. That's about middle of the pack. All right, fine. You'll see on our app, defensive points over average, that only compares them to the players that they've actually played, that they're actually very good against the rush. And it's not a great matchup. Uh, they are the 21st ranked matchup. And in, in, on the ground against the rush, they are the 25th ranked matchup. So, Tim... Why are you so gung-ho, my guy, about DeAndre Swift then? Well, let me tell you, because they are the third best matchup for the receiving running back who catches passes out of the backfield. On average, those running backs are scoring 60% more points against the Vikings than they do against any other team in the NFL on average. Uh, so give me all of that against the Vikings. Give me his playing time. Give me him. Give me him. In an offense that's moving, I think also I just want to give a shout out to Jared Goff real quick because not everyone can make this happen with the weaponry that he's had. And I think you have to take into consideration that Amon Ross St. Brown missed a couple games. DeAndre Swift missed a bunch of games. DJ Chark missed a bunch of games. And this guy is throwing the ball to Khalif Raymond and, you know, handing the ball to Jamal Williams, who, yeah, he has a great year this year, but before this year he's never had over four touchdowns. It's or, all touchdown production. Right, and it's, like, it, it, he's it never had over touchdown. 700 yards in a season. Like, we're not talking about a, a superstar here. And they're making this offense work, and it's working. So shout-out to Jared Goff. Shout-out to Detroit. They're on, they're on a hot streak, and... The Vikings are, they have not, they have yet to blow out a team. They have not been in a blowout situation except when they got blown out by the Eagles. They're, they have not blown out a team yet. So this is going to be a close game. This is going to be a high-scoring game, and I think DeAndre Swift eats. Uh, he's my tier up for, for this week. Uh, Matt, who's number two for you? I'm sticking with the same game, the same matchup, but I'm going to the opposite side of the sideline. So in that Seahawks game, there's a running back from the Panthers that I think everybody is underlooking, and that's the obvious Deontay Foreman. The Panthers enter week 14, fresh off a bye, uh, extra rest. That's always a good thing for bruising running backs. They travel to face the Seahawks. In the team's last game, Deontay Foreman handled 24 carries. That was 58.5% of the rushing um market share uh so the backfield attempts they they ran the ball a lot the last game but he obviously had the majority share he ran 113 yards 53 percent of the snaps that was his fourth outing with over 100 scrimmage yards in the last six games he's been a wrecking ball of top end rushing production i know it's hard to feel really good about deontay foreman's upside when he's not a pass catching back and ppr formants but he's just been so consistent and gets such a good matchup he has three RB1 finishes in the past six contests. He's only had two um, finishes outside of the top 24. So always flex level, always in the you know top 25 scores. Uh, 
the Seahawks concede 17.6 points per game of rushing production alone. Speaking of the points over average tool, the, you know, splitting the rushing and receiving production. Well, they're a little bit better towards receiving production from running backs, but are absolutely horrendous towards the rushing production. 17.6 points per game just to rushing production. That's not including the 9.3 points per game of receiving production they allow. Um, Their points over average for rushing production is six. That's a 32.8% increase. Overall, they rank fifth in true matchup rank for running backs allowing 26.7 combined points per game, points over average of 22.2%. Performance averaged 14.2 points per game since being the name named the Panthers starting running back um, after they shipped McCaffrey out to the Bay Area. And any of that, and all of that really, um, production has been attached to rushing, rushing alone and finding the end zone and, and going for over 100 scrimmage yards in, in those four contests. Yeah, I, I really like Foreman in this matchup. A, a perceived 32.6% increase to a guy that's already averaging over 100 yards rushing per game over the last six games. Like, I, I feel pretty damn good about that. And as you were leading too, like, the Panthers low-key might be able to steal a win from the Seahawks here uh, if they can keep the offense off the field. If Geno Smith's shoulder injury is a little more cause for concern than the team is leading on, then then yeah, and obviously the bulk of that work and success that they will have if they can top the Seahawks will be through Deontay Foreman. I I, I love that pick. That he was my honorable mention that I was going to honorably mention if you didn't say it. And then um, and so like I'm glad you said it because he would have that that's a much better argument than I made. You could also catch Matt's. Um, Matt's argument for that on the Sleepers Bus article that's out Excellent. right now just just dropped a couple hours ago. Uh, so check that out too on the Fantasy Football by Broto app. I was actually just um, I, I was just on the app uh, just because I had the app open and I was a, I was reading that article and it was funny because you started talking and I was like wait a minute and I was like oh yeah he <laughs> that was his sleeper bus that's why they're like why does this why it's does fresh. this sound familiar like what, what's going on um all right let's get into uh my second one it's ezekiel elliott let me ask you a question matt tyler po- I, t- tyler pollard tony pollard has obviously been great right incredible fantastic so let me ask you a question that means that as the season has gone on tony pollard has gotten more more playing time, more touches, and he's been doing better. So uh, he's been doing better, right? So, so that would mean that because Tony Pollard has been doing better, um, then that means Zeke's been doing worse, right? You know, yeah, un- unfortunately, that's not quite the case. <laughs> no, it's not the case because guess what? Ever since Tony Pollard took over, so did Ezekiel Elliott. This guy has been an RB one in five. Of his last, I mean, in four of his last five games, and the only finish not an RB one, he was an RB fifteen two games ago. This guy started the season on an incredibly bad run, got injured, took some time off. I think that was important for him. Uh, but even before he got injured, was still playing well. Tony Pollard's in this offense, and I think for the first time ever since this, since the elusive duo that that teammates are always compared to, uh, no longer exists. I think for the first time we have a legitimate comparison. This is the modern-day Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara. Uh, these are two guys in the same backfield that you can rely on every single week without worrying about it. You know, I get 
Go ahead. I get so mad when people throw that comparison around, and I know that you know that I do, and I completely accept this one. You know, it has to be. This is the first so real similar. one. This is the first real backfield where you can get two people, and you know that both of them are going to give you production week after week. And like I said, it's been it's been a five week sample size here where yeah, some you know every once in a while one of them is going to give you a bad game, but but that's life. That's football. You know, everyone gives you a bad game sometimes. These guys are as reliable as they come. And when it comes to the snap percentage, these guys play. Almost 50% of the time. Like, it's, it's just Ezekiel Elliott, 54%. Tony Pollard, 41%. They both had the exact same amount of targets. Uh, Zeke had a few more rushes than Tony Pollard, but Tony Pollard was incredibly efficient with his, his targets, as usual. And again, now they're playing the Houston Texans. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The Houston uh, Texans. The Houston Texans have been absolutely dreadful against running backs. They've been so good, bad against running backs that they are the best team in defensive points over average against wide receivers and quarterbacks. The Houston Texans are the best team. They've been so bad against a running back, which they're the ninth best matchup, that they're good against the quarterback because no one, no one even don't wastes pass time them. passing they against the, them. They have the lowest um, opposing team pass attempts per league and it makes sense and that's exactly because yeah, you just don't need to pass you don't need to pass and the cowboys are not going to need to pass although i will say this and they're also like low-key Derek stingley and jalen peter you kind of don't want to pass <laughs> well Derek stingley's out for this game i uh, yes yeah facts. so that's that's news that just broke today Derek stingley's out today i think that just broke a few minutes a few hours ago he's out so that's something that you know CD, I may have been talking about CD Lamb a little bit later. That's something that makes me feel a little bit better than CD Lamb about CD Lamb. But with that being said, smash both these guys, smash Pollard, smash Zeke, Agreed. and I think you're comfortable uh, starting Zeke as a wide receiver, as a running back too, with confidence. Um, all right, that does it for the positiveness. Let's get to the negative. Who is your tear breaker down number one, Mister Ward? Well, I mean, I will preface by saying I'm not going to change the notes because it looks even better now, but I did write this before he suffered the hip injury um, in practice. So Amari Cooper was healthy when I wrote this. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Amari Cooper, tearbreaker down. That offense is a tearbreaker down for me right now. I, I, I really do need to see it, and it's got to be against a much better matchup than what they're coming in against right now against a really tough Cincinnati defense. Yeah, Amari Cooper earned a team-high nine targets. That's 40.9%. That was incredible, but... L- Deshaun Watson completed 11 of 22. He played 81% of the snaps. He four receptions for 40 yards. Uh, Peoples Jones outpaced Cooper in snaps, three targets. So, you know, he did find the end zone on a punt return, obviously. So like Peoples Jones production that you're looking at in their, their, um, when you're looking through your points per game averages and, and you're like, wow, how did people Jones outscore Amari with such few targets? Well, you know, that's how obviously, and yeah, man, I'm I'm not sold on Deshaun Watson. It was always a concern for me into a brand new offense where he wasn't really allowed to practice with the team. He w- wasn't really even allowed in the facilities until the suspension was cleared. Um, we saw what happened with Russell Wilson after taking significant time off. It's a new league. Like Deshaun Watson, the last time that he played football, it was quite literally a different NFL. Um, and yeah, like... Okay, I'll say it again. Yeah, 12 of 22 for 130 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, connected with Cooper for four, but crafty veterans on a pace for a career year here, but this is just an absolutely terrible position. The Bengals allow just 14.9 points per game to the quarterbacks, negative POA of 
minus 5.5% and just 24.7 points per game to wide receivers with just a modest plus of 2.0. They're not a good matchup for wide receivers. And that's usually funneled into one um, person like they, you know, somebody can burn Eli Apple. Right. Like, but you're not beating Jesse Bates in the opposite side. That's just how that defense functions. You might have the secondary receiver put up a better game, which is what skews their points over average a little bit. But that's kind of why I mentioned Donovan Peoples Jones, right? Is because he's increasing his snaps and his routes above Amari. The targets haven't really necessarily been there, uh, but they have been looking to him or were looking to him a little bit more when Jacoby was under center. So that might be a product of the decreased volume that the Browns went through last week against the Texans. Again, it's just not sold on Deshaun moving forward, not sold on him against this matchup if his production does boost and get a an uptick where he's a qb1 again likely attached to rushing production and that obviously reduces amari cooper's ceiling and floor um yeah and then now that we have that news like the hip doesn't help no it doesn't uh amari cooper amari pooper this week am i right yeah who would have thought that amari cooper's stock would go plummeting when they made the switch from Brissett to to watson if you were if we were talking about April, one of the things that like people forget uh, when they are making these predictions and all this stuff is that these guys are human beings, and a lot changes. And uh, and Deshaun Watson hasn't played football in like six hundred. Yeah, days. I mean, as an analytical mind too, like uh, try to remove intangibles as much as possible, but intangibles have arguably the largest effect. Big facts. Um, all right, let's get into my first pick, tier breaker down. Matt, cover your ears. I'm sorry, bro. It's Travis Etienne. Uh, he is in a terrible, terrible matchup this week against the Tennessee Titans. The Titans have been absolutely stifling against the fantasy running backs. They've been getting killed in the air. Uh, they're first against the wide receiver. They're the first matchup against the wide receiver, the best matchup. Uh, 36.5 points a game given up. That was, the first, like I said, number one, 22% uh, over average. They're the fifth best to quarterbacks they're the 10th best to the tight ends but 29th against the running backs minus 20.1 uh, percent points over average and if you look a little closer the titans have been getting beat by the pass catching running back they are the fifth best matchup against the pass catching running back but they are dead last against the running back on the ground minus 40.2 percent over average yeah man eight they're only giving up 8.6 rushing i mean rushing uh, rushing uh, points a game, points. you know, that's last, as you might imagine. That is the, the worst matchup. And, you know, Travis Etienne, coming out of college, he profiled as a pass catcher, but he just hasn't been used in that role this year. Last yeah. week, um, he had eighty. He had only 8.8% of the targets on the team all season. It goes down. He only has 8.1% of the targets on the team. To put that into perspective, Jamichael Hasty has 4.8% of the targets on the team, and he's played 121 snaps to Travis Etienne's 462 snaps. So he's played a quarter, uh, but has more than half of the target percentage that Travis What Etienne you're has. referring to is called target rate. <laughs> there you go. Target rate. Yeah. Uh, I, I, thought uh, I, he, I thought I invented that. I thought it was cool like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, for real. Like what, What's happening is his target Facts. rate is, is, is compared to Jermichael Hastley is really low as well. And the reason I'm pointing that out is because... Jamichael Hayes, he's a pass-catching running back. And Travis Etienne, although he did it in college, he just hasn't had success there. So it, is, there an, is there a chance that Travis Etienne 
you know, catches some passes and have a, has a big game against the Titans or breaks a long one, of course there is. That's why it's a tearbreaker down, not a sit. But I would temper expectation for Travis Etienne in this matchup, and especially considering how he's being used in this game. Uh, in, in I mean, used this year uh, in the passing game. So, yeah, Travis Etienne. I, I keep wanting to say stock down, but no, uh, tearbreaker down. Matt, who's your second tearbreaker down? Breaks my heart, but I have to agree with Sorry, you. My second bro. one. And this one's going to break no hearts, especially the Brodo listeners. It's Najee Harris. My second tier breaker down is. is but no one has Steelers. him that's listening to this, Matt. <laughs> yeah. No one. Well, for, for all of our new listeners, um, <laughs> Najee Harris, he was beginning to find his footing. He struggled for 10 straight weeks of the 2022 season, but then tallied 86 rushing yards, 17 carries last week. He also caught his only target for six yards, found the end zone. Like, he's doing better. But now. The Steelers get the Ravens in week 15 or 14 rather, uh, man, the Ravens defense, since they've made those, um, November 1st trade deadline acquisitions, getting, um, Roquan Smith in there, they look phenomenal. Uh, and they've done so much better against the run than they were doing earlier in the season to the point that their points over average have made a drastic, drastic shift in just like the last, you know, five to six weeks. Now they have a negative differential of minus 20.8 ranked 31st in the NFL, the running backs. Um, they get allowed just 7.5 points per game of receiving production and 9.6 points per game of rushing production to opposing, uh, running backs. The rushing production to tallies, uh, 29th negative of 30.1% in points over average rating. Najee Harris has been always volume dependent. Always the, the, when I said he was finding his footing, it's because they were starting to give him targets again. Um, and as inefficient as he was with all of the targets that he had last season, that was obviously what was bolstering his PPR points per game and even his standard league scoring format. Those came with yardage, even though on inefficient totals. Um, he only saw one target last week. The Steelers passing offense is absolutely terrible. I don't think Kenny Pickett is really an NFL level quarterback. And I know it's a little early in his career to be making such harsh distinctions towards his trajectory, but he just doesn't look like he's anything more than a bridge gap player. And that's funny to say because he is almost 26 now. So he's in that age of bridge gap players. Like people forget Kenny spent five and a half years in college with the COVID season and everything. So yeah. Um, you know, that said, like, I'm not feeling incredibly great about him getting passing volume in a game against, you know, yeah, positive matchup. Sure. But it was positive matchup last week as well against the Falcons. And it wasn't really anything to write home about um, this week in a much worse matchup. I, I feel a lot. I never feel good about Najee Harris, but now like, yeah, tearbreaker down. I don't think you can bench him, but he was putting up RB2, RB1 numbers. And I don't think that's happening this week. Let me ask you a question, Matt. How are you feeling about the wide receivers in that Steelers game? That Terrible. Baltimore, so yeah, that Baltimore secondary has been much better. And uh, part of the reason that Baltimore secondary has been much better is because they don't have to cover guys for seven seconds now. Yeah, because the Ravens' defensive front looks like it's always supposed to on a John Harbaugh defense. Roquan Smith, man, he was re he was, was a really a different maker. All right, um, like Matt did as well. Like we, like we, you know, we pushed this back a day. So, uh, you know, I combed through my notes, but I didn't comb quick uh, as closely as I should have because uh, Leonard Fournette is my tier down here, and he also might not play. So I'm going to expand this a little bit to Leonard Fournette and Rashad White. And I know, Matt, Rashad White was your bust um, in the article. Yep. The art so let's let's analyze this one together, bro. Help me out because um, 
let's get so let's get into that backfield in general. I had some Leonard Fournette stats, um, but I'm not gonna share those Leonard Fournette stats because I just think that he's not going to. He's most likely trending towards not playing. If he does play, it's gonna be a timeshare in a tremendously terrible matchup. The 49ers have been the worst matchup for running backs. They average minus 32 and a half points um, over average. So. 32 and a half points under average. Um, their matchup rank is, like, like I said, last only 13.8 points. Uh, that's on the air, in the air, and on the ground. They are equally as hard to score on in either sense. So if if you're a Rashad White guy and you're like, oh, but he can score on the pass catches, um, they they guard that well too. And right now, Brock Purdy is the quarterback. So you gotta imagine that the Niners are going to sell out and make Brock Purdy beat them with their arm. Like that's that's gonna have to be what happens. So not feeling good about either of these guys in the backfield. Matt, talk to me, bro. Do you agree? Uh, I think you do based on yeah, the article. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And I mean, you you could have. I would have accepted you taking the Buccaneers backfield as a tear breaker down too. Yeah, Rashad was getting some decent opportunities. I think a lot of people forget that he took over the rushing opportunity market share um, in Week Nine when they were both healthy. So that that was an interesting thing, but immediately lost that confidence in the offense after one fumble when a healthy Leonard Fournette was there. So, you know, immediately whether you want to use narrative based and um, analysis or not, like the snap percentages are there. He has a very, very short leash. I'm a big Rashad white truther, especially for dynasty formats. I, I absolutely love the kid. I think he's got a phenomenal analytic profile. He's very athletic. He can do it all. Um, truly a dual threat. But that said, you know, the 49ers are the worst matchup on both rushing and receiving. Look what they just did to Alvin Kamara. Um, and I know Alvin Kamara hasn't had the greatest season, but like eight scrimmage yards. And Rashad White, with all love and respect, and as bad as that Saints offense has been, he isn't Alvin Kamara. Um, he has shades of it, sure. But with a short leash against the worst possible match, you could, if you sat every single running back that started the 49ers this week or at any game you'd have a hundred percent hit rate they haven't allowed a rb1 performance yet wow this season. that's that's some shit yeah like you would have a hundred percent hit rate so starting a rookie running back with a short leash against the worst matchup in a negative game script yeah it, it's just a rancid recipe for disaster as as high as i am on richie clean shoes at all times this is the one week where i genuinely think like putting him in your lineups is going to be detrimental it's a rancid recipe for disaster. That's why we fucks with Matt, bro. Come on with that. <laughs> Who else is bringing that? All right, let's get to the the next category. It is the matchup of the week. Matt, I'm going to let you go first because I'm about to pull a Matt Ward when I go second, and you'll know what that means in a second. But why don't you go first? What's the matchup you're looking forward to? We touched on it a little bit, and this was Mike's matchup, but I, I, knowing he wasn't here, I just yanked it from him because I wanted it so bad. It, it's the Dolphins Chargers. And, and the, yes, the biggest narrative and one of the reasons that I want to watch it isn't even for fantasy purposes. It's the Tua Justin Herbert, the, the every time you log on to any social media platform that you use to talk about fantasy football, whether it be Reddit, Instagram, it's, that's a battle. That's a battle that it's all the talking heads and, and pundits are who's the better quarterback. Of course, people want to lean Justin Herbert, but if you look at it this season, that certainly hasn't been the case um i'm super interested in that matchup specifically because both defenses are sieves for offensive production 
I wouldn't worry at all about Tyree Kill. To mention also, Derwin James is likely going to be out of that contest. I wouldn't worry at all about, you know, defensive matchup or points per game when it comes to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle and Tua. And I certainly wouldn't worry about Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler catching passes. Um, Josh Palmer is the one player I did want to mention as a downgrade in this matchup, knowing that Mike Williams is healthy. Josh Palmer is just a guy that it's like, okay, if Keenan Allen is out, and Mike Williams is healthy, maybe a little bit of an uptick uh, to Josh Palmer because Keenan's such a dominant target earner. If just Mike Williams is out and Keenan is healthy, well, that's not a huge amount of allocated targets to figure out. So it could be DeAndre Carter one week, which we've seen 11 targets and Josh only had three. When both of them are healthy, he's not even a tertiary option because they have Austin Eckler. They have Gerald Everett. They have a healthy Keenan Allen. They have Mike Williams. That leaves him at best as the fifth pass catching option on an offense that Justin Herbert obviously can funnel targets to whoever he wants. I do believe he's that talented, but when you have those other guys as such a big talent gap between your fifth or sixth option, yeah, it's, it's hard to get that guy um, open looks when the other guys are all open as well. That said, it's, you know, I just listed the entire Chargers offense. Incredible. As Mike had to Raheem Mostert as a tear breaker up was seeing more opportunities than Jay will. Um, and, and before Jay will came into the picture, Raheem was a must start running back RB one. Uh, Tua, Waddle, maybe a little bit of touchdown upside for Mike Gusecki, but I don't think so. But yeah, uh, excellent matchup. Points galore, high over under. Uh, yeah, I love it. That's a great matchup. Uh, that was also Michael's matchup of the week, uh, and I forgot to mention Michael's busts. I mean, his tearbreakers downs. So Damian Pierce, tearbreaker down, tough matchup in the Texans are a joke, and Mike Evans is now a wide receiver three hiding behind his name. Says Michael. These are very clip, clicked, cryptic messages from Michael. Um, I'm gonna go with the Vikings at the Lions as my pick here. I think, I love the, that I, one too. yeah, man. I think that first of all, this is a division matchup. Um, they've played already this year, and the Lions are a different team than the first time that they played. Uh, and they want revenge. The first time they played, it was a very close game right up until the end, and the Vikings pulled it out. Uh, that was the. This has been the story of the Viking seasons. It's these one-score games. They keep winning them and winning them and winning them. And the Lions were one of those victims. But right now, the Lions are playing hot. Jared Goff has not thrown an interception in his last four games. It's the first time in his career that that's been the case. DJ Chark came back healthy, looked good last week. Amon Ross St. Brown is playing the best football stretch uh, of his uh, best stretch of his football career. DeAndre Swift is back in action. Uh, Jamal Williams is Jamal Williams, and this offense is clicking. On all cylinders. Um, on top of that, you have on the Viking side. Uh, on the Viking side, you got Kirk Cousins, who they're going to need to put up points to stay in this game. So Kirk Cousins, I think, is a good fantasy matchup in this game against the Lions, who are the third-ranked uh, matchup for the quarterback. So I think Kirk Cousins, if you have him, uh, you're starting him happily. Uh, Justin Jefferson, last time he played the Lions, kind of got shut down. Is going to want some revenge in this game for that. I even think Adam Thielen has a shot. At, at the end zone, I think uh, K.J. Osborne, uh, n not as, you know, he's an outside chance, one of those yeah, deeper league guys. Yeah. Uh, I think K.J. Osborne would have had another chance, a, a better chance, if my Grand Slam smash of the week didn't get traded from the Lions to the Vikings midseason, and that is T.J. Hawkinson. By the way, did I tell you that the Lions are a favorite in this game? Yes, they're the home team, but they are a favorite Madness. in this game. Madness. Um, TJ Hawkinson has been absolutely crushing since becoming a member of the Vikings. First of all, just take away uh, anything else. TJ Hawkinson knows this defense 
And it's a defense that he knows how to beat because they cannot guard the tight end. They are the third best matchup against the tight end. Last week, I told you, stream Evan Ingram because he's playing the Lions. And he's going to score a touchdown because he's playing the Lions. And what happened? He scored a touchdown because he was playing the Lions. He had not scored more than three points the last two the weeks before that. And uh, this is what it is. And TJ Hawkinson, on the other hand, has been doing great. TJ Hawkinson, 90% of the snaps, 17.1% of the targets. Since he got traded there, tight end 5, tight end 7, tight end 11, tight end 5, and against the Jets, tight end 16, uh, but that was a tough one. Uh, so he's been it's been everything you need from TJ Hawkinson. He's the tight end 2 right now overall uh, over Mark Andrews. Yeah. I mean, Travis Kelsey just on a different level, but if you're not counting Travis Kelsey, TJ Hawkinson has been the best tight end to roster so far this year and again not to give uh, you know we got to give ourselves shout out every once in a while just in case you didn't hear it uh when this trade happened michael and i were on the pod and we were talking about it and some people i really respect in the industry a lot of people had the take of yeah well this is kind of a lateral move for tj hawkinson and michael and i were like no it's not this is a much better situation for tj hawkinson and a, with a much better quarterback and in a system that targets the tight end all the time with a quarterback that tar targets the tight end all the time and it's come to fruition and i think this week it comes to fruition on a very high level uh, tj hawkinson with the revenge game is my grand slam smash of the week my hot take my like Hotty hot 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 take two touchdowns. That's not that hot. I think it could do that. All right, fine. Three. There we go. Yeah, let's get let's get a spicy of his top spicy all time tight end performance or whatever that we saw in one of his one of his last games for the Lions. Yeah, we've seen it. Hawks, man. All right, Matt. Uh, why don't you go? Oh, with yes. Your Set first guy. Up, it is your. <laughs> this is your grand slam match. You know what? Here, I'm gonna set you up in a second. He eyes the pitch. He has a 12.53 ERA this season. Here comes the pitch. It's an 89 mile power fastball right down the middle. So wing, Ramondre Stevenson grand slam smash of the week. Ramondre is a cheat code for PPR production at the running back position this year, man. And I still feel like a little underrated. I don't know what it is. Maybe Patriots running backs or something. Um, obviously the people that roster him know exactly how valuable he's been. He's recorded six receptions on eight targets last week, 24 yards, adding 54 yards on 10 rush attempts. But that the whole point to that 10 rush attempts is 90.9 .9 rushing percentage, 90.9% of the team's rushing attempts. Now we get to Cardinals defense that ranks third overall in true matchup rank. They allow 25.6 points per game to opposing running backs. That's a points over average rating of 31.4%, but they also allow 11 points per game on average to receiving production alone. Just re you remove Ramondre Stevenson doesn't have a single carry and his floor is 11 points per game of receiving production. The Cardinals are ranked second in points over average to receiving production with a rating of plus 60%. Imagine Ramondre Stevenson, who is already arguably the best PPR asset, even over Christian McCaffrey. The numbers don't lie. Ball don't lie. Imagine Ramondre Stevenson and his, his PPR cheat code with a perceived 60% increase in receiving production now that he's also getting 90% of the rushing attempts. Aye, aye, aye. In my opinion, you're, you're honestly talking legitimately unmatched RB1 upside. I don't have him ranked as RB1 overall. I have him as five right now, but I think, you know, I can, you can make 
bucket rankings without actually expecting their ceiling. I don't think anybody has a higher ceiling than Ramondre Stevenson this week. Wow. I like it. I like it because, look, we've always said Bill, a Bill Belichick running back would be the greatest thing to have if he could just stick with one. And it seems as though if he's he just workforced one. one. And I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, 26% target share this season or 24.6% target share rather. And now 90% of the rushing attempts like that is a workhorse load that nobody in the NFL has. Yeah. It's like LeGarrette Blunt and James White at the same time. Combined. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Speaking of LeGarrette Blunt, Blunt uh, and James White combined, Derrick Henry. No. All right. Uh, Derrick Henry is my grand slam smash of the week. Uh, the the uh what was it uh December it's a uh, hen hensep Henry Decem- December December they they turned December? December they turned December into Derrick Henry somehow hen hensember or something like that that's what they do anyway it's his time of the year uh and he's facing the Jaguars let's go back to 2017 the land of distant times before COVID um. A man had just entered the presidency that that put the country for a loop, uh, and we were all like, "Oh my goodness, what what a time to be alive!" What honestly, like how like those seem like the good old days at this point, and um, those good in those good old days, RB fifty uh, was what Derrick Henry ended as uh, in his game against the Jaguars back in twenty seventeen. Since that game, he has finished RB one, RB three. RB38, but I have to say this, still had 80 yards in the game, and that was one of those games where Ryan Tannehill took the rushing touchdowns. So 80 yards rushing in the game, finishes RB38, but didn't have a bad game. Then RB1, and then RB4. RB1, RB3, RB1, RB4. In four of the last five games against the Jaguars. Let me repeat. RB1, RB3, RB1, RB4. Overall, duh. Like, there's not much more I can say about that. I just wanted everyone to know. I just wanted everyone to know. All right, who's your second Grand Slam smash, man? I mean, I wanted to say, though, like, the the combination of, like, Derrick Henry is pacing out, and it's still low because he's not a pass catcher at all, but he's going to finish this year with a career high in receptions and receiving yards. Unbelievable. I know. Like, and, yeah. I guess volume really doesn't matter for that guy. Like he can just keep having 380 touches a season and it really, really doesn't matter. Um, That said, somebody that has been having an insane amount of touches and volume and has been turning it into incredible production, but I think is still a little underrated. Christian Kirk, let's go to the opposite side in that Jaguars matchup because, you know, as we mentioned the Jaguars rushing defense isn't that good the Titans passing defense is absolutely terrible and are now the number one true matchup rank for wide receivers after last week um, where they entered week 13 as the third overall ranked matchup for wide receivers and then AJ Brown and Devontae Smith um, both caught a touchdown and both uh, surpassed the century mark in yardage Christian Kirk last week led the Jaguars with eight targets. That's a 23.5% share. I uh, played 48 snaps. That's an 86% share. Zay Jones was close behind him, 46% and seven targets. So it's not like Kirk was just, you know, the only alpha receiver out there or, or the only um, option for targets. But he was by far the most impressive member of the Jaguars offense in week 13. He caught six passes for 104, albeit, yeah against a hopeless and hapless Lions defense. But as I said, it's not like that matchup is any more difficult with the Titans in week 14. And 
Kirk is already averaging 15 and a half points per game, a very respectable 24 and a half percent target share. He is a top 10 ranked wide receiver and true target value. All in all, like a season long trend of high value opportunities, a scintillating defensive matchup. Kirk's just positioned for a sensational finish to what has already been a very impressive 2022 season. All right, Matt. Enough with the positivity. Let's get into this negativity. Uh, the bench warmer of the week. Guy that I am sitting, the first guy that I am sitting, is Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah, I know. He burnt us last week. I don't care. I'm going back to the well because the Denver Broncos defense, man, if their offense could only do anything with one of the best quarterbacks, quote-unquote, that they thought they were acquiring, geez, if they could just do anything, anything. But unfortunately, they can't. And they are a horrible matchup. Uh they are the 27th ranked matchup in points over average. And, you know, when you're having a matchup like that, I don't want a guy that's only getting 45% of the snaps. He's only playing, he's only on the field 25% of the snaps. Now, he's getting the ball usually when he's on the field, but mm-mm. no, I don't want it. Uh, now, people are going to say, oh, well, the Chiefs are going to, you know, have to run the ball because they're going to be up against the the Broncos and so on and so forth. I still I don't think they're going to have success that way. No, I think they're going to be up on the Broncos, yes, but they're going to do it by by the passing game. And that's where the Broncos succeed. And I just don't see a world where Isaiah Pacheco breaks through this defense. Because Isaiah Pacheco is a very hard-nosed runner. He seeks contact. This is not the team to seek contact against. Uh, so I think right now if I have Isaiah Pacheco and I have another option, I'm moving on uh, because I don't want a guy who's only going to be on the field for 45% of the snaps against one of the worst rankings and one of the worst matchups. Even if, you know, quote-unquote game script says it's going to be that way. I mean, you say that they're going to put up points on, on the Broncos too. Like, yeah, I think they're going to win that game too. But, like, if the Broncos averaged more than 17 points per game, they'd be undefeated this season because their defense allows less than 17 points per game and they live in the AFC West. It's not like they're facing bad offenses all the time either. Uh, so, I mean, yes, I do think the chiefs are going to win. And yes, I do think Patrick Mahomes will have his way, but not his Patrick Mahomes way. Does that make sense? I, I don't think Pat's going to bomb for three fifty and four touchdowns on these kids, man. I really don't. I don't think anybody in the NFL can. Uh, all right, let's get into your first, uh, for your first bus, Matt. Uh, yeah, I mean, bench warmer of the week, guy I'm sitting. It's sad. I, I'll, you know, I'll do my second guy first because we were just talking about that matchup, and this one hurts. I, I literally put the cry emoji next to his name when I dropped it in the chat, but it's Juju Smith-Schuster. Mm. Uh, he's a guy that I'm not only worried about starting this week and anywhere that I have a viable pivot, I do have Juju on my bench. And for those that have listened as long as they have with us, thank you for sticking around with me and my Juju takes, because I do love the kid. He recorded three straight weeks of wide receiver one production before an unfortunate concussion knocked him out of week 10 game against the Jaguars. And since then, He's missed one game, obviously, with said concussion, but then posted two outings below seven PPR points. Finishes the wide receiver 69 with 6.8 and wide receiver 56 with 6.5 in weeks 12 and 13. He's not earned more than four targets since week nine, obviously coinciding with that concussion game, but before that as well, right? Like, so since week nine, three consecutive outings below 20 routes and 70% of the offensive snaps. 
limited participation is obviously a major concern um, and maybe even just missing a few weeks as it took him, you know, eight weeks to really put up those wide receiver one numbers in the first place to get acclimated into the offense to a point where they had confidence in him to even lift his target share above 20%, which is still generally pretty menial, um, especially it's just that Mahomes target true throw value and his targets are so valuable that a 20% target share. And as we said in the preseason pod is enough to lift Juju up to wide receiver one production, but he's nowhere near that right now. And he's nowhere near the route participation. That's going to get them there. And for all of their blunders this season, as I, we were just mentioning the Broncos defense have been one of, if not arguably the best defensive unit in the NFL and at all facets, they 323.3 scrimmage yards per game. That's third overall 180, 84.5 passing yards per game. That's third overall and 17 under 70, 16.9 points per game. That's second to opposing offense. The secondary is the league's second toughest unit to score fantasy points against for wide receivers. So they can see just 22 and a half combined points per game to the entire opposing wide receiver unit. And they have a negative points over average of minus 10.7%. Juju's by no means a must start asset after returning from concussion in the first place, like he wasn't a must-start asset in the first week back or the game after, obviously low decline, against what you could perceive as the worst possible matchup for a slot receiver and a target share that is below 20% now, riding at 17.6. Like, you're expecting a touchdown for sure, and you're expecting the Broncos to be in a position where Mahomes has to throw the ball 40 times a game to lift Juju's menial opportunity share, his menial market share, to a place where the volume is comfortable. So if he's receiving 17% and we need to see 10 targets, that means Mahomes needs to attempt 57 passes. So against the Broncos, where, yeah, they're probably going to score 15, 16 points, 17 points, whatever, but that's enough to dominate that team on the scoreboard because they can't put up more than 12. When you're right, you're right. And then just to share Michaels as well, because that's coming from the other side in that game, Latavius Murray is his bench warmer, uh, likely playing from behind and is a TD-dependent option with limited upside, and Gabe Davis. Yep. Um, he was my uh, bench um, last time they played the Jets, and now he's Michael's shutdown last time he played the Jets. The Jets have generally shut down opposing wide receivers, uh, and he has been way more miss than hit this season. Uh, I forgot to mention Michael's grand slams, who were Jamar Chase, played last week in his return, and nobody on Cleveland is holding him. And DK Metcalf, great matchup with no Ken Walker. The Seahawks will likely lean on the pass more often. All right. Go Mike's ahead. on fire, even though he's not here, because I agree with essentially 100% of his takes this week. When Matt and, when Matt and Mike agree on something, it's a rough usually, one. <laughs> nah, usually comes true. It usually comes true. Uh, yeah, uh, true. All right, let's get into my be- bench warmer. Michael mentioned him earlier. It's it's Damian Pierce. I'm not even playing around and playing him against the Cowboys. The Cowboys defense has been way too good. The Cowboys offense has been way too good. This, ha- this game has the makings of uh, an extreme blowout. My prediction in this game is is that the Cowboys' defense will outscore the Texans' offense. Uh, I think I the Cowboys' defense will score more points than the Texans' offense do. Um, and I'm staying away from Damian Pierce. Uh, he's been absolutely trash uh, in three in the last three weeks. Like He was RB22 last week, but that's only good for let's 11. Be, let's be honest. He's been trash for like seven weeks, man. Yeah. Uh, he's been just like, you know, and he's been getting, when he does get you, good quote-unquote games he gets you like 11 points you know and i mean he full transparency he was my sleeper of the week last week obviously didn't really hit on that but that's 
kind of tells you a little bit about Damian Pierce. He had a completely smash matchup and true matchup rank against the Cleveland Browns with a 100% like positive game script where Cleveland couldn't score. And there were, you know, Kyle Allen's turnovers obviously led to the scoreboard being, but he had a positive game script on his side too and couldn't do anything with it. Well, I'll tell you this. You say you missed, but I wouldn't be so sure. He was RB22 last week, the week before that. That's not. The week before that, RB RB 53. The week before that, RB 45. So I wouldn't yeah. give you two, but for him, like, it's just that team just has nothing to play for, they, and you can yeah. just tell. But they're, they're going to Davis Mills, which might help. But you know, Michael Parsons is coming for whoever the quarterback is, and that's going to be an interesting. This is going to be a tough. You one. know what? I, I'm gonna. We're just gonna. I have to bogart this for one second. But you said they're bringing Davis Mills back in. Probably the biggest piece of news that this far into the episode that we didn't mention is Desmond Ritter's the starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. Word. How could we forget that? <laughs> so that's a thing. <laughs> I'm like embarrassed. Michael would be ah, man. Michael they're on bye week. They're on bye. We have we have all next week to talk about. There is no game, so we can't. We can only make assumptions. We don't. You know what I mean? All right. So it's, it's fine. You know what I'm gonna do? But I'm gonna still, name this. That, that's. I'm gonna name this episode Week 14 ple- Preview Plus. Desmond Ritter is the starting quarterback for the Falcons. <laughs> there you go. Wow. All right. Uh, all right. Let's wow. get it. let's get into our next category. Although, did you do your second? Um, no. Yeah. I got sit? I got one go more bench yeah, yeah, but it's, it's it's pretty quick, man. In all honesty, it's James Conner of the Arizona Cardinals. They face the Patriots. Patriots defense ranked 28th in true matchup rank, negative points over average differential of minus 18.5 percent. The worst part about that is they allow just 9.7 points per game to rushing production, which is minus 29.2% below the expected average to their matchups. James Conner doesn't catch passes. You're relying on touchdown production because he's not an efficient rusher and the Cardinals to play from behind. So maybe he can get you two or three receptions and, and boost that PPR total. He's been an inefficient plotter upholding low end RB one production with unsustainable touchdown numbers. He's averaging just 52.9 rushing yards per game, 19 receiving yards per game. So under 75 scrimmage yards per game, despite pulling a top 15 opportunity share of 65.3%. And even with those touchdowns, he's averaging 0.77 fantasy points per opportunity. That's RB 53. I'm I'm not I'm not in on James Conner this week. I'm completely out on James Conner in general, but especially this week uh, when he has been putting up serviceable numbers. I, I like bench bench James Conner. Yeah, if you're asking if it's like even a tear breaker down for you, a Travis Etienne or, or James Conner, Etienne in a bad m- matchup, bench James Conner. Let me ask you a question, Matt. James Conner, he ran for 120 yards on the ground this year in one game. Um, that was his first time over 100 yards since week six in 2020, and his first and his most wow. rushing yards in a single game since week eight in 2019. Do you know who he did that against? I mean, I got to assume it's not. Are you gonna tell me it's the Patriots? It is not. No, no, no of course not. Okay, I was I was gonna say I got to assume it's like the Texans, it's the Chargers, the Lions. Oh well, the yeah. funnels, the, the funnels, right? <laughs> and that's why this I was going to get there. And that's why this week I am opening our sleeper segment with Jeff Wilson. That's right, you gave up on him. He only played twelve and a half. He, I mean, thirty-seven percent of the snaps last year, last week. Oh well, I didn't give up on him, and here's why. Uh, yes, yes, he got badly outsnapped by Raheem Mostert, but since getting traded there, um, it's been fifty-fifty, and then sixty-one twenty-eight. And then 61-34 in their respective games in Jeff Wilson's favor. I'm not just going to 
and he's been successful. I'm not just going to assume that this was something that is going to be permanent. I think a lot of people are assuming that it's going to be permanent. Something was going on in that locker room where Raheem Mostert was the guy against the Niners. I don't know why it was Raheem Mostert against the Niners and not Jeff Wilson against the Niners. Maybe it's because Jeff Wilson was playing against the Niners, was on the Niners this year. I, I don't know what it was. But there's a chance that this goes right back to Jeff Wilson. Let's say it doesn't. Let's say I'm wrong. Raheem Mostert is still mostly getting the carries. It doesn't fucking matter. You can play them both. Uh, the, the, the Chargers are terrible against the run. They're giving up 30 points per game. That is 42.4% over average. That's the second best in the league. What are some of the highlights against the Chargers this season? The Josh Jacobs game. The Josh Jacobs game. Uh, James Conner's 120 yards for the first time uh, since week 8 of 2019, I mentioned. Isaiah Pacheco's only career 100-yard game where he averaged 7.1 a carry, happened against this team. Eliza Mitchell and CMC both had solid fantasy performance. Tyler Algier and CPAT both startable. Tyler Algier, 98 yards rushing. CPAT, oh, two touchdowns. Algier's best game was against the Chargers, yeah. Kenneth Walker, 167-2 and two against the Chargers. Woo-hoo-hoo. James Robinson went for 101 against the Chargers. Nick Chubb went for 134-2, and two, and Kareem Hunt went for 47-1 and one in the same game. Against the Chargers. Every single team with viable running backs that have... And now they don't have Derwin James. And and Derwin James is not playing on top of it. Like Every single team that it's has had so a viable two running backs, they've both been fantasy viable. The only teams that have not completely scorched them on the ground was the Raiders in week one. Josh Jacobs made up for that game by a lot. Um, 300 scrimmage yards last time. And... Against the Broncos, the sorry-ass Broncos, who decided to bench Melvin Gordon mid-game. Do you remember that game? The first game, yep. Lat Murray had just joined the team, and they decided yep. they are just going to bench Melvin Gordon for no reason, and the Chargers had his face with the clown mask on it. Bro, it was a whole ordeal. That's the only two games that the Chargers didn't give up great fantasy performances to a running back. And I didn't even mention running back receiving stats, where the Chargers are about mid middle of the pack in the league giving up over seven plus points per game. But that all the things that I said don't even count the running backs catching balls. That's just the rushing production. That's why I love Jeff Wilson in this game. Jeff Wilson is a sleeper. If you are considering if you like the rest of the the nation, his ERC is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like the rest of the nation, if you have Jeff Wilson ranked RB three or lower, you're ranking him too low. That's what I say. Sleeper. Blah blah. I, 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 I mean, it was part of the reason that I'm, you know, smashing that matchup in our, our matchup of the week is I just think everybody has high upside in this game for sure. Big, big facts. All right, Matt, big who's facts. your uh, sleeper of the week? Uh, speaking of high upside, but also a very low downside. But this is why we're into sleepers. You know, James Cook. It's it's James Cook, and and I think our you know one of our our Brodo writers Clay would would probably enjoy me giving James Cook a little bit of love. Look, James Cook had a little mini breakout game uh, a couple weeks ago in Week Eleven, rushed for eighty six yards on just eleven carries. That was thirty six point seven percent of the market share of rushing attempts. He played only fourteen snaps in Week Twelve, which you know was obviously discouraging, but encouragingly in week 12 he did see five targets which was 11.9 percent share despite limited playing time very high uh target per route in that game in week 13 now 
young back played one fewer snap than Devin Singletary, but had one more carry and six total targets. 14 rushing attempts for 64 yards, caught all six of his targets for 41, surpassed the 100-yard threshold for the first time in his career, and also the first time in his career that he had more touches than Devin Singletary, despite, you know, one fewer snap. But little things like that, trends like that towards the end of the week, and I have mentioned this on the pod, whether it is an over amount of confidence that the organization is instilling in James Cook, or it is a product of them trying to keep Devin Singletary healthier for a playoff run, doesn't matter for our fantasy roster. Big facts. That yo preach tattoo that on my forehead. Yeah, it, it really doesn't. And yeah, Singletary saved fantasy ma- managers last week. He had a touchdown, but he was largely ineffective against the Patriots as well. And that that was another thing is you know James Connor highlighting the Patriots' true matchup rank is James Cook did that against the Pats. A very, very tough run, top five rushing defense, top five uh, receiving production defense in points over average. Now they get the Jets, who, again, are incredibly tough, but they do allow 21.1 points per game to opposing running backs. That's points over average of just 5.2%, ranked 14th, so kind of middle of the pack in defending running backs. Still a plus. Yeah, still a plus. And, And as I was saying, like they're a very, very tough defense, but you know, a plus in, in defending running backs, at least for fantasy purposes. You can run in the Jets. You can run Exactly. The exactly. And also, I would not put it past the Bills to put up kind of ridiculous scoring totals against any defense on any given Sunday. I know the Jets are a great defense, and I'm not trying to, like, downgrade, you know, shit on Jets fans here, but it's the Bills. It's the Bills offense, and, you know, defensive matchups aside, like, they can score on anybody when they're clicking, which kind of also opens up garbage time for James Cook if they do have a a sizable lead in the fourth quarter because of the whole Singletary narrative. And again, two out of three games, he has... uh, seen a sizable opportunity share in comparison to Singletary. So it might be a little trend to take note of and and somebody that I think you might be able to get some decent production out of this week. Um, I'm going to stay in that same game in my deep sleeper. Remember deep sleepers for those deeper leagues, those like 14, 16 team leagues or those deep benches or those dynasty leagues. My deep sleeper is Isaiah McKenzie. 15 targets in the last two games for Isaiah McKenzie. Um, Really, Dawson Knox has been kind of the forgotten man in this offense, and McKenzie has taken that role. We've seen this role be valuable in the past, and honestly, they're going to have to score. They already played the Jets, and because their defense is is hurt right now. Von Miller out for the season. Just uh, uh, Poyer might not play. Um, Matt Milano, who one of the more underrated players in the league is Matt Milano. Matt Milano is one of the better coverage Agreed. linebackers in the league. Very underrated. Uh, really shuts down the running backs, in particular, out of the backfield. He's on the trending towards not playing. So this is a hurt defense that's going to be playing a lot of backups. And uh, the Jets have been a good offense. Uh, they Even last week, they just didn't punch it in, but they were in the red zone six different times. Uh, need to punch it in, obviously, but they're going to give the Bills a run for their money, already beat them. And you know who's on the outside. It's Sauce, who Sauce Gardner is grading in PFF. He's the best coverage corner the best. in PFF. Um, and, you know, the rest of the Deservedly the, so. the Jets are also there, DJ Reed uh, and Michael Carter the second, but they're most beatable out of the slot. Uh, so I think Isaiah McKenzie has some really nice sleeper upside in this game. Again, like I said, he's beginning the targets, finishes a wide receiver two, two weeks ago. You know, he was, I mean, he was the wide receiver seven overall two weeks ago. Like wide receiver two and then wide receiver seven overall, so he has a, he has the ability to really blow up from you. And in this game where they're gonna have to move the ball, I mean Stephon Diggs is gonna get his, but I don't think 
I don't think Gabe Davis does anything again uh, because he's hit or miss, and they're going to need to throw to someone besides besides Diggs, and I think Isaiah McKenzie has the chance to be that guy. So he's my deep sleeper this week. Uh, Matt, who are, who is your deep sleeper? I mean, I always try to go real deep, and, and this one might actually be a little chalky for some desperate managers this late in the season, knowing how waivers are thinned out, but I'll just go ahead and throw Brock Purdy out there. I mean, yeah, not a great matchup. Obviously, Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, but you kind of lent to the narrative that I want to say here um, in the first place is the Buccaneers are a smart defense and, and they're smartly coached. They are going to make Brock Purdy beat them. Volume is kind of on his side. And we know it's proven in time at Nick Mullins. It's been CJ Berthard. It's been proven time and time again. Any quarterback can fit in a Kyle Shanahan system and put up serviceable fantasy numbers because all they have to do is play pitch and catch with four elite all pro talents surrounding them that are all top 10 in yards after the catch. Like it's, it's absolutely insane how good the 49ers options are in yards after the catch per reception. It is mind boggling that all of them slot into like it. It's crazy. Um, And a big product of that and something that I've kind of beaten over the head on this podcast before is Kyle Shanahan. Isn't just a great run blocking coach in the schemes of his zone runs, opening up lanes for his running backs. He's a great down the field run blocking coach. His route, are quite literally designed so that once the target is and catches the ball that these guys are now in run blocking lanes like the receivers are already in the proper run blocking lanes the guy for you know all of his arrogance and everything is a great offensive minded coach in that nature specifically so brock is going to have to throw the ball even if it's under 30 attempts it's just one of those positions where if the Buccaneers can put up at least 17 to 20 points and force a bit of a close game, a bit of a negative game script with passing volume for Brock Purdy, all he has to do to give you a top 16, 15 fantasy finish is not turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. Matt, you just kind of talked me into Brock Purdy. Like I was like, "What is Matt talking about?" And then you did it. You did it. You son of a bitch. You did I'm, it. It's it's it's. We're talking deep diamond yeah. in the rough. Is literally like the yeah. category that we write these under. It's yeah. diamond in the rough. It's the waivers are as thin as they've ever been. Six you, you buys. Know. If you didn't, if and six bye weeks. This is what I was. Yeah, we didn't exactly. go over the buys uh, to start. That's my bad. But just so you know, Falcons, Bears. Packers, Colts, Saints, Commanders. So some heavy hitters in there, some not so heavy hitters, but there's fantasy viable players in that in that mix. Well, but this is my this was my point to that is because I was going to mention the buys in, in this particular section is that's kind of what makes Brock Purdy such an interesting streamer diamond in the rough because all of those teams that you just named are high priority streaming quarterbacks. Yeah. Like they're not QB ones week in and week out, but those are the first guys that you look at. Okay, who's their matchup? I can stream this. I can stream Taylor Heineke. I can stream Andy Dalton. I can stream Aaron Rodgers. And yeah, he is a streamer this year, which is crazy. But you know what I mean? Like that's so that's why it makes even Brock Purdy more even more interesting because every other quarterback is rostered this week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, And all the streaming options are on buy. (laughs) Speaking of that, let's get into the streamers of the week. Let's visit the stream. I got one for you, though. Yeah. So (laughs) start us off with it. Uh, Start us off with it. So. 
you know, a guy that's not on bye week and still perennially under rostered and probably because it's, it's a lack of ceiling, but very consistent floor. Always. You don't really look for floor players when you're streaming, but again, in the nature that we're in, as we just mentioned in the Brock Purdy diamond in the rough, Ryan Tannehill looks like a very scintillating option against the Jaguars this week for me. I mean, Jared Goff just bombed on the Jags for 340 and two touchdowns. Jaguars defense allows 255.5 passing yards per game on average. That's ranked 29th in the NFL. They allow 20.7 points to the quarterback position with a points over average rating of 18.6. That's ranked fourth. But one of the best things about our true matchup rank, it isn't just the expected points allowed to each matchup specifically, but we break down quarterback into rushing and passing production and running backs into receiving and rushing production. So the Jaguars allow 17 points per game to passing production alone, which is also ranked fourth, but that's a positive points over average of 19.7%. And yeah, like despite some low scoring totals, menial volume, Tannehill is still by far our true value king. He, he has certainly fallen from grace in our true value rankings, but is inarguably one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. He averages eight yards per attempt. That's QB4, 0.47 fantasy points per dropback, QB12, top 15 accuracy rating, top 10 deep ball completion percentage, top 10 pressured completion percentage, top 10 true passer rating, and top 10 red, red zone accuracy rating. Like for all of Tannehill's lack of volume he's an incredibly consistent efficient passer in a game that hopefully the Jaguars can find a way to put up some points and this is an AFC South matchup I wanted to mention that the Jaguars are quite literally holding their playoff fate in their hands they the only team stopping them from making the playoffs is the Titans and they play the Titans twice to close out the season they beat the Titans twice it doesn't matter what happens in the rest of their schedule thanks so oh boy. I games like this, man, and obviously we're in streamer territory. Ryan Tannehill's, you know, obviously the same thing, vice versa to the Titans. They need to win these games to keep the AFC South. Not- so I, I like I like Tanny in a matchup that, yeah, we were going to we stream Jared Goff against the Jaguars last week and it paid off well. So let's do it again. Let's not forget the original true value king. His name's in the Brodo rafters. All right. Um, I'm going to go with Tyler Huntley. The backup quarterback who's going to be playing in in the stead of Lamar Jackson. Look, he only finishes a QB one in one of four starts last year, but he finished just outside QB one. He was QB fourteen, QB fourteen, QB sixteen, and QB seven. So he's he's shown the ability to do that. He has never rushed for less than forty yards, so he has a rushing baseline. Um, this is a pretty mid matchup uh, that he has in this game, but the. The Ravens, speaking of needing to win, the Ravens need to win. And they need to win without Lamar Jackson. And Tyler Huntley was serviceable last year. And, you know, still no J.K. Dobbins. Gus Edwards hasn't looked good. Uh, Kenyon Drake is their other option. So they're not going to have any choice but to put the ball in Tyler Huntley's hands, probably in his legs. Uh, and I'm kind of banking on a rushing touchdown in this game. I think that Tyler Huntley has a great uh, has a great chance of getting that rushing touchdown. So he's my streamer of the week in a very thin thin waiver wire a lot of quarterbacks up in that uh list yep. that we we're talking about lots of quarterbacks uh who's your tight end streamer matt i i'm gonna do an honorable mention first because I, I i wanted to do noah fant my heart of hearts wanted to say noah fant but 
he's been looking, he's kind of on a heater. He's been looking a lot better, getting some red zone looks, which were in, in turning into some touchdowns. He's had two tight end one or, you know, top 12, two performances above 14 points per game in the last four games. So 50, 50, basically I was feeling no fan for a little bit of streamer, but I'm going to go back to the same well that we were in last week. And I'm thinking that Evan Ingram can put up a serviceable game again. And more so than just a serviceable game. I really, really like Evan Ingram this week. The Titans are a terrible secondary. We all are already mentioned that now they're pretty middling um you know still top 10 but they're not the best um matchup per se for true matchup ranked to tight ends however one of the things that i love with tight end streamers i've brought it up here before i've always reiterated it's obviously you want touchdown upside you you need touchdown upside for tight end streamers if they fall into the end zone you're almost guaranteed a top 12 week with the, the landscape of the tight end position but one of the things that i really like for my tight end streamers is like a certifiable receiving role and what I mean by that is it's not just a, a guy like Tyler Higby where you don't know if he's playing left tackle or tight end that game. Yeah. You know, so, but Evan Ingram only plays receiving tight end. Facts. That guy don't block nothing. In <laughs> fact, he's has 216 slot snaps this season. That's a 48.3% rate more than half. Well, roughly half of Evan Ingram snaps just come as a straight third wide receiver, not even in line. That's Man. wild. That's <laughs> like, so I like Evan Ingram in that general consensus just for a, a volume. Uh, he's the receiving guy. We already mentioned, so I don't need to beat it over the head. I think there's some high upside in the passing volume here, considering how tough they, the Titans are against the run, how bad the, the Jaguars need to win this game, and how susceptible they are against the pass. So how are you going to win that game? You're going to bomb on them, or you're at least going to try to. So I, I think all of the upside is there for Evan Ingram to finish as a top um, 12 option last week. I think he can repeat. All right, close your ears and cup your balls for this one because this one's going to take some cajones. This one's going to take some uh, huevos. This one's going to take some uh, uh, the, the walnuts. This one is Hunter Henry uh, because Ooh. Hunter Henry, you know, he's been as high as tight end five this season, and that wasn't too long ago. That was against Minnesota. Uh, that was the week I told you to stream him. You're welcome. And, um, you know, he had a very good game. Uh, the only problem is that's one of uh, about three good games that he's had this season. And when he bottoms out, he bottoms out hard to the tune of tight end 55. Um, yeah, that bad. That bad. Uh, so Are there even 55 tight ends in the league? Exactly. So when you <laughs> say that, now you have to think to yourself, so Tim, why on earth are you telling us to start Hunter Henry? Well, the answer to that, boys and girls, is one of the more simple answers that I could tell you. The Arizona Cardinals are historically bad at guarding the tight end. <sighs> Matt. Like like historically bad. Like historically bad. Like uh Yeah, like like death taxes and start tight ends against the Cardinals. Like they have an eighty percent points over average given up. Eighty. Eighty percent. Um So so you're basically saying if Hunter Henry averages one point per game, they're gonna allow him to get eight. Or that'd be 800. No, no, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, your math, <laughs> that'd math, be 800. math is a little yeah. off there. Well, what, what I am I saying, though, excited. is like if you if he averages 7, I'm expecting him to get 12 to 13. Yes. You know, that, that's, yeah. what I'm, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. And it's even more than that because, Matt, I have more for you. Because usually it's the points over average number that is like the true indicator. But in this one, you need to do total points because total points is just fucking outrageous. The Arizona Cardinals are giving up 19 points a game to the tight end. 
19. Uh -huh. 19 points a game to the tight end. I want you to know how, how much of a giant leap that is. The second team is Seattle. They're giving up over two and a half points more than Seattle. They're giving up over 13% more over average than Seattle. And the Seattle is the second best one. Uh, to give you an idea of what 13% is, because 13% might... The team that's the 10th best matchup is Tennessee. They're giving up 12.1%. So you're playing two top 10 matchups in the same matchup against the Cardinals. I'm starting Hunter Henry over most players, the most tight ends. I think like I'm. I, I got to start Mark Andrews. I got to start uh, T.J. Hawkinson. Oh, you're getting that crazy. Oh, I'm, I'm getting that crazy. I'm sorry. You got to start T.J. Hawkinson. Actually, let me go to my let me go to my rankings right now and like tell the people like how how high that I am on on this man because it cannot be. Look, the one there's only one thing that can stop Hunter Henry this week, and this it's why I don't have him ranked really at the top. It's be, it's Jono Smith. Because John o. Smith has been getting involved more in this offense. So if one thing can start Hunter Henry, uh, can stunt him, uh, is John o. Smith. All right. Travis Kelsey, TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, Pat Firemuth, Gerald Everett, Greg Dolchich, George Kittle, Hunter Henry. That's it. Wow. Uh, that's, that's where I'm, that's where I mean, I'm putting actually, Hunter Actually, that's not way. even that crazy to me. That's not even that crazy to me. Yeah. I mean... I mean, you could say Dalton Schultz versus Houston, but we already told you, Houston doesn't pass the ball. That's how I'm feeling about Hunter Henry this week. Sign me up. Matt, Who's uh, did you do yours already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I even gave a little honorable mention. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, that brings us to uh, my favorite portion uh, of this. If you have not already, patreon.com slash Fantasy. We appreciate all of your patronage. We have legitimately the best patrons ever um so let's get into their into their start sick questions because they are on the path they are playing for stuff and we need to get in there all right oh right away we're just talking about this gerald everett or hunter henry half point ppr for me I'm, i I'm have gonna, everett fifth and henry seventh i i still lean everett a little bit yeah it, it was my like smash matchup of the week for almost every member of both offenses so I, I still will stick with my gut with everett here but i but you've got me a lot higher on hunter henry than i ever thought i'd be uh, for good reason all right uh i don't know what the hell that was uh yeah you know let, let's get it uh what's the next uh one keep one trade one cut one chicken pork beef says boy keep keep pork cut chicken i got here and i'll trade beef because i think i can get a better return than i can for chicken on it i'm gonna i'm gonna keep beef i'm gonna trade pork because people love pork and i'm gonna cut chicken yeah i mean chick, you know you know chicken is not as healthy as it's cracked up to be a nice a nice just a nice grass-fed like, beef that's where you're getting you the nutrition that's where you're getting your nutrition you all right um johnny says Juju, Tyler Boyd, Corey Davis. Who are you starting in that? Oof, that's a tough one. Honestly, probably, probably. Ooh, Corey Davis illness. I, I don't know. I kind of liked Corey Davis with the Mike White targets. I was seeing that 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 was were trending up. They were looking pretty good. It's Tyler Boyd for me. I think I, I can probably vacuum it out pretty easily because I am benching Juju for a guy like Tyler Boyd this week. I think I'm going to stick with Juju in these matchups. So I just, I just You're don't want to. Yeah, I just don't want to take the chance. 
I think Juju is the best, not only the best defense in the NFL or second best defense in the NFL for points over average against wide receivers, but the best DVOA against the slot. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, Alexander the great says Pacheco, Zay Jones, Kyron Williams, 1.3, a one point PPR throwing Elijah Moore. Zay Jones. I, yeah. I'm comfortable with Zay Jones in this game. Zay Jones has been, yeah, Zay Jones <laughs> well, has been number the one big play guy. Uh, 14 targets, 10 targets, seven targets. Yeah. Last week didn't come with the production, but the 10 and 14 games certainly did, including a career high 148 yard game. Zay Jones against the best possible matchup for true matchup ranked to wide receivers um, in a game that again, it's must win high points, high octane for both teams. I like Zay Jones. I certainly like him over Pacheco. And I, I think it's pretty safe to say you can like everybody over Kyron Williams. Johnny comes back with Foreman or Rashad White. From what you've heard in this episode already, I feel like Deontay know, and Foreman. I'm sure you read the article by now too, but yeah. Deontay. M. Evans says sit one, Chase, Garrett Wilson, Hollywood Brown, or Debo. Half point PPR. Ooh, wee, that is a tough one. I'm gonna go with I, I think I'm gonna sit Hollywood of that of that bunch. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm gonna sit Debo. D yeah, I mean I think Chase and Wilson you have to play at this point. Yes. So one hundred percent. Yeah, so you're choosing between Hollywood or Debo. I say Hollywood, but I see the I see the argument for Debo. Yeah, I'm. I'm also. I'm also much more of a Hollywood guy than you are. I like Hollywood, but yeah, you're definitely more of a Hollywood guy than I am. Uh, Kansas City D or Baltimore D? Uh Baltimore D. Uh, Alexander the Great says, "Ooh, good one." Same question here. <laughs> All right, I hope you answered it. Uh, Gary, Trevor, or Gino? You know, Johnny was. Still, I was talking to my brother Johnny, not the Johnny from the Discord, but a, a different Johnny, and he, he was he was talking about. Um, how the because he's decided he's going to play Huntley over Gino. And my initial reaction was I don't know, I'd play Gino in that matchup. But he brings up a couple good points. Number 1, he's got a hurt throwing shoulder. That's always an X factor. Number 2, Carolina's defense has been playing much much better and ever since they got back JC Horn and Jeremy Chin, those are two very good players in the secondary. And you could tell it's making a big difference in the way their secondary is playing. Um right now these two teams are very Dead even. You were talking about DVOA. They're very dead even in DVOA. I'm not going to lie, Matt. This is a game where I already mentioned it. I think that the the Panthers have a really good shot at upsetting the the um, Seahawks. The Seahawks, thank you, in this game. In the matchup of the two Jet rejects, uh, Sam Darnold and oh, yeah, Geno facts. Smith. Yeah, but I, I really, I, I, I don't know, man. Geno, Geno's not as, as like... Of a slam dunk as he seems, I feel like. And Trevor Lawrence is in a good matchup. An excellent matchup. I, I would, I'm going to lean, I would probably lean just matchup based, uh, all things equal, because um, they both have injury designations technically. All things equal, I would lean Trevor Lawrence in this matchup anyway, because also Trevor Lawrence is a QB1 as well. Like the, that kid is also, you know, averaging top 12 points per game. So, you know, QB9 and QB. Uh, 12 even actually is what I think it is uh, between Gino and, and Trevor Lawrence. And, and as we've talked about before, the, the parity between QB six and QB 12 is one of the smallest gaps we've ever seen in the history of fantasy football. The top six QBs are scoring such a much larger uh, gap than the bottom six, top 12 QBs. So QB one means something a little different. All of that said, yeah, throwing shoulder would definitely be enough to tip the scales, but I would lean Lawrence in a vacuum anyway. 
Uh, let's get to Alexander the Great, Justin Herbert, or Sam Darnold. Ha, ha, ha. I want Tim to answer this one. Ha, ha, ha. Little do you know that Justin Herbert is my home league quarterback. So Justin Herbert either way because I love winning in fantasy way more than I love Sam Darnold. Although I do love Sam. <laughs> I would and, hope so. And you know that's a lot because I love Sam Darnold a lot. The, the list of people that love Sam Darnold are quite literally like his parents and then Tim. I mean, they're, that, that kid... It's like it's like watching. You know how? Uh, do you ever watch a Bronx Tale? You ever seen a Bronx uh-huh. Tale? That movie was shot two blocks from where I lived, where I grew up. But anyway, it wasn't shot in the Bronx. It was shot in Astoria, Queens. And it's shot uh, in Queens. I know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, the for the for a Bronx Tale, uh, the the dad Robert De Niro goes up to, goes up. He says, "Hey, hey, the saddest thing in life is wasted talent." I feel like that's that's Sam Darnold. I feel like his talent has been wasted on this fucking bullshit ass bullshit. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, the answer is Justin Herbert, Alex. All right, Gary says start two PPR Singletary, James Conner, whoever the starting running back for Seattle will be, and Zonovan Knight. Start two. Start two. Uh, it's a tough one. Those are not those are not pretty I'm, I'm options. Not, I'm not feeling super great about whoever the starting running back for seattle is um i'm glad he prefaced it with all three options because i just don't care nor do i really nor well nor do we really know yet um touchdown upside is really what you're swinging for there none of them are going to have enough volume they're all going to eat each other's volume as low as i am on james connor i think he has the best chance of all of those options of finding the end zone would it be crazy to say singletarian bam knight i think that might be the best answer I know you're down on James Conner. Uh, I know. I say, yeah. I think I, in I this one, he's probably better than these options. Yeah, I think James Conner. You got to go with just because there is yeah, a chance that Belichick concentrates more on Kyler and kind of lets James Conner do his thing. Um, I think that there's that's a, there's a outside possibility that that's the case. I'll go with James Conner in that matchup and. It's hard to trust Devin Singletary right now, especially with James Cook. It's hard to trust the running back for Seattle. Um, do you have the updated injury report on Michael Carter? Is he definitely going to play, or is he like, I, I haven't, I'm not up to date on Michael Carter's most recent. Has not practiced in full yet, so that that's really all I can tell you. He's yet to practice in full. Well, he was removed from the injury report today, so it seems as though he's going to practice. He's yet to practice in full. He, there's no proof that he did practice in full, but there is proof that is removed from the injury report. So it looks like Michael Carter is going to play. Oh, that makes well, it a go. lot tougher. Um, I'm going to go with Connor and Singletary because of that. You know what? No, no, yep, Connor Knight. I agree. Connor Knight. Connor Knight. Connor Knight. Well, I, I, I'll say Connor Singletary, so you can take my advice instead of Tim's. <laughs> uh, star two, Ayuk, Juju, Hollywood, Rondell Moore. I'm not saying you can. I you can Hollywood that that's kind of easy. That I was easy offense though, but yeah, no, no. I think that uh, no Gary's a Gary's a good player. Gary's a Gary's one of the sharpest minds. In I, I mean, I could I could see the argument for Rondale and Hollywood to be honest. I, I genuinely think out of those four, Juju's the easiest like bottom tier out. Yeah. Um and wow, really? but Ron, Ron, yeah, that was a hard Canadian out, wasn't it? Out. Um, Ron, yeah, Rondale though groin injury still. Uh, I think yeah. is trending towards but mm, worried very interested in the issuance of targets on that offense uh with all three of those guys healthy yeah that said i, I think yeah look I think I, rondale and juju are the sits i love me some rondale more don't get me started i'm not i love him more than anyone there's no 
zero. There's a zero percent chance Rondell Moore starting. Like the alphas a- DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. No, I, I mean, so also, well. <laughs> yeah, but there's also zero percent chance he's starting in any of my lineups this week. You cannot oh, okay, take yeah, a yeah. chance on a guy that's that's like he hasn't practiced yet, and he might play, but he hasn't been in practice, and like you can't take a chance on a guy like that on a Monday night because what are you going to do? Pivot to Greg Dortch or Andy Isabella? No, you're not going to do that. So don't don't waste your time. Um, he's not playing for you. All right, let's um, <clears throat> continue on here. Big Will, half PPR, oh need to start three wide receivers and a possible flex. Already have Jefferson as my wide receiver one. So he needs to start three wide receivers and a possible flex. So two to three picks here. Garrett Wilson versus the Bills. Debo Samuel versus the Bucks. Hollywood Brown versus the Patriots. George Pickens versus the Ravens. And Juju Smith-Schuster. We already talked a lot about Juju. I think this one is... I mean, it really... This is going to come down to kind of the same question before. Debo versus Hollywood Brown. I prefer Debo. You prefer Hollywood. Yep. And that's really what it comes down to. Yep. You're, playing, you're playing Garrett Wilson in that. In that. And maybe if 100%. you... 100%. I mean, if you have the room... But I think... I mean... And then, I, I guess if you if you are coming down to the coin flip of that flex, then I, I would... I would probably, I mean, Pickens against the Ravens is not something that I'm overly interested in. As bad as, you know, uh, Juju's matchup is against Denver, I think I might favor Juju over George Pickens here. Yeah, George Pickens is in a tough matchup on this one. Tough matchup. Um, He's just not very good. Trevor Lawrence or Kyler Murray? Says Mullen, 1031. That one's pulling on my heartstrings. Yeah, that one's a tough one. Kyler. I'm going to go Trevor Lawrence just by a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you did. Yeah, just by a little bit. Um, <laughs> Higgins, Gar- Higgins, Garrett Wilson, or Hollywood? PPR. Ooh. Am I bugging for thinking Wilson is an easy play in this game over Higgins in Hollywood? I don't think that you're bugging. I don't I don't know if an easy play. Higgins has been really good, but he's been I think it's off. between – I would start Higgins over Hollywood this week. It, it, I mean, I'm – Hopefully you're in a position where you can play both of them with a, a lower level flex, like get somebody that's in your flex. Like, I don't know who may be. This just sounds like a stacked lineup, but yeah, I, I would, I would play Higgins over Hollywood. And so it's coming between Higgins and Wilson to pick one is I'm going T Higgins. Mm, T Higgins over Garrett. Wilson. It's the Browns, bro. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go Garrett Wilson, but I see your point. This is a tough one. Your team is it's good. The Browns this is a good, this is a good problem to have. I'll tell you that picking between. Yeah, Higgins, I mean, you're not going to go wrong. You're not going to feel super bad about it. And if if it is like a, a super low floor, my friend, it's totally variance because those are absolute stud options. Izzy says full PPR Gus Edwards or James Cook. Cook. Yeah, I think especially in full. Whew. Yeah, uh, half PPR. I mean, sorry, full PPR. DJ Moore, Michael Gallup, or Rashad White. Ah oh, man, I think DJ Moore is the answer yeah, me here. Too. Yeah, I, I do, I do, and I don't. Yeah, he's had a terrible season. Um, one thing that Sam Darnold understood throughout, even his you know earlier run with the Panthers, one thing that Sam, one assignment that Sam Darnold always understood was get the ball to DJ Moore. And in the last game, you know, not even 200 yards, and DJ goes for over. He had over 68 percent of Darnold's net yardage. So. Uh, hopefully that continues because DJ Moore yeah. needs to play with a quarterback who can get him the ball. Um, let's let's speaking of continuing, let's continue here. Uh, Nolan says, "Does anyone think P Ryan will get more work this week than he would have otherwise had Mixon not got a concussion?" No, we I've mentioned this previously. The Bengals 
organization, the Bengals' offensive scheme, Zach Taylor, more than anything, it's not even a product of talent. It's a product of the function of his system. He's one of the only coaches in the NFL that whoever is the leading name on his depth chart at the running back position is going to see an 80% opportunity share. There you have it. The man has uh, spoken. I think, yeah, I think P. Ryan has like uh, Alexander Madison vibes. Like maybe he'll he'll pop a touchdown in there every once in a while, but you can't start him. Um, Mostert, Juju, P. Ryan, Rashad White, half point PPR flex. I'm going Mostert in this one pretty easily. I'm going to go Mostert as well. Yeah. Uh, Slater says Bengals are Cardinals defense. Uh, uh, yeah, Bengals D. Pick one, running back and one wide receiver, full PPR. DJ Chark. All right, let's get these together. One one wide receiver. Let's start with the wide receivers. DJ Chark, Rondo Moore. You're going with DJ Chark over Rondo Moore. I just explained why. At, at this point, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. three consecutive weeks of solidified production, and Rondell's coming off a groin injury with two of the best target earners in the NFL uh, surrounding him to minimize his opportunity share. It's Chark for sure. And James Cook, P. Ryan, or Homer? Travis Homer, I think James Cook is the answer there. James Cook. Yep. Uh okay. Pick one, PPR. I think I know who you're gonna pick. Uh we'll both pick the same. Uh Foreman, Rashad White, Samaji P. Ryan, Latavius Murray, Foreman is the answer. Yeah, hundred percent he is. Uh Ty I mean uh, Kai says half point PPR flex, Gus, Homer, Pierce, or Rondell Moore. <sighs> Tough one. <sighs> I think it's, it's between ah. Gus or Pierce, unless yeah, unless me, Homer is the only guy in the backfield. Like this, this is one where if Homer, ends I would up like being to monitor that. Guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like to monitor that injury report to see who actually clears it um, or who doesn't. Rather, um, that said, if he is the only guy, yeah, I think Homer between Edwards and Pierce, probably Pierce for me, even as bad as it's been. I think I'd still go Gus Edwards over. Uh, against the Cowboys, yeah, fuck it. I'll just go with Gus. It's just, Pierce is just, uh, it's so ugly to watch. It's not It's not pretty. Um, no. Full PPR, Bam Knight or Kareem Hunt? <laughs> Bam. Yeah, me too. I mean, me too. I was excited about what, I was excited about what Kareem was doing with Deshaun under, under center. It looked like, oh man, he might have this roll back where he catching passes, but I'm not trusting it moving forward. And I already have that offense downgraded this week. So half, P- go, bam. half PPR need to George Pickens, Tyler Boyd, Raheem Mostert. Boyd and Mostert. Yep. Uh, Mullen 1031 says start two PPR Zay Jones, Jerry Judy, Josh Palmer, DJ Chark, Tyler Boyd, Darius Slayton, Traylon Burks is hurt. Holy. Let's try that again. Start two. Yep. Zay Jones, Jerry uh-huh. Judy, Josh yep. Palmer. So okay. you can eliminate Palmer. Williams is Sit back. Palmer. Chark, Boyd, okay. Slayton. Zay Jones, Jerry Judy. Nah, J- Jerry Judy and Slayton are a lot closer to me, but I'm starting Zay Jones. Starting DJ Chark and Zay Jones. Okay. All right, let's get into Big Will. Um, I have Singletary and Rashad White as my two starters. Oh, he's asking a Thursday question. Um, And, yeah, we got some Thursday questions. Last two, I mean last one, I mean last two, excuse me. Kurt, start two. Bam, Sanders, ETN. 
I know ETN was my stock down, but you got to go Sanders and ETN here. You got to you ride your studs here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and then 100%. Big Will has a trade. This one's up your alley because yes. it looks like uh, we got some picks involved. Uh, PPR trade: Dalton Schultz, George Pickens, and a first round in the upcoming rookie draft, projected as ninth, for Ooh. David Njoku and Garrett Wilson. Oh, oh, that yeah, the, Garrett Wilson is. Yep. I'm thinking I'm gonna go with the Garrett Wilson. Ah, uh, okay. So uh, George yeah. Pickens, Dalton Schultz, and you get an, a, a late first. I would trade, honestly, without exaggeration. I would trade a ninth in 2023 and George Pickens straight up for Garrett Wilson. So do you prefer Dalton Schultz over David and Joku? I think my answer is yes. There, that might be the tiebreaker. Uh, that's a great way to look at it. I I would agree. I think that I'm going with the Garrett. I would 100 percent trade George Pickens in a, in a late first round pick for Garrett Wilson, straight up. That is a certified NFL alpha established. You want that? You never know with rookie picks, and I'm the guy that wants all the rookie picks. Uh, you know, I think also it's a difference if this is a 2023 rookie draft in a 10 man league and it's ninth, then it's even better. That you know, if yeah. it's in a 14 man league and it's ninth, then you maybe think about it a little differently. Um, that 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 definitely matters, but I think I'm going with the Garrett Wilson and David Njoku sign for sure. Um, so Michael's not here, Matt. So we're gonna need you to go into the uh, go into the ultimate slightly balding division. Oh, that, I got it. I got that it. That you are in. Uh, but let's go into the bald division first because the playoffs are around the corner, and right now in the playoffs for round one. Uh, we, we the playoffs aren't even around the corner. The playoffs are going on right now. What am I even saying? Oh, we, we're we're crazy humans. Oh well, yeah, we're we're getting into the playoffs right now. It's again, there's two there's two different uh there's two different brackets. So let's go the matchup in the first game. Uh, the number one seed, uh, Hertz Alert takes on the number eight seed Bearded Bastard, who was in the top four all year, but on a three game losing streak, and I think you could see why from who he's starting right here. Uh. Kyler Murray, Leonard Fournette, Damian Harris, Derrick Henry, Tyler Higbee, Jalen Waddle, Sky Moore, and Michael Carter. Not the strongest lineup, and that definitely a lineup that looked better four weeks ago. Um, Big Will is playing Johnny Bravo in the first round. Oh, and by and, and by the way, sorry for that. Uh, Hurts alert. I mean, Eagle is already up nineteen to four on AQ Cactus. Uh, Chasen. 77 will take on Mullen. This is the 3-6 matchup, although Chasen uh, is the underdog in this matchup. Uh, needs to get uh, someone in his lineup. Needs to get someone in his lineup or else he's going to be uh, – still does not have one person in his lineup. Uh, it's still a little early, but definitely Chasen, uh, the underdog in that matchup. And you got Piz 2-4-3 against War Ghost in the one in the 2 versus 7 matchup. Uh, each of the the higher seeds are favored uh, in this bracket. Remember, the finals are going to be week 16 and week 17, um, and the highest scorer of the champion of each league will be crowned the ultimate champion of the Brodo Unlimited League. So why don't you go through your uh, your uh, situation? Oh, not a problem. And the Brodo Unlimited slightly balding. And I mean, slightly. We always have to preface yeah. by Mike's balding. Mike, uh, as yo, am I. As you know what's so. funny? I hope the twins are, are listening this far because we're about to hit the two hour mark. Michael's going to be so pissed at us. Uh, but oh, 
Well, yeah, there was no chance we were getting under two hours. But she knew what was coming. Yeah, uh, but what was I gonna say? Damn. Oh, Jason. Like there was my so. Going back, we did an ugly sweater party in like 2015, and my girl, she, I, I wore my friend, the friend who was hosting, I wore his face on a sweater, and it was a big hit, and I and I got robbed, for best best uh best uh what do you call dress ugly sweater yeah best ugly sweater I got robbed that year, so we were talking about that, and my wife brought it up and she sent the picture and it was me with my hair like just holding on for dear life you know like i had a, a yeah, buzz yeah, yeah. cut like I, w- I looked horrible i was just holding on for dear life and i was like oh my god what was i thinking with that hair and jason goes yeah i was about to say i i didn't respond but really in my mind i was like what do you mean yeah i'm about to say you're literally living that life right now you're living the life of denial that you're making fun of me for living it at, while you're making fun of me for living the life of denial Get your shit together, Jason. Jason, you're balding too, kid. Oh, Jason's gonna. Jason's a lawyer now too, so he's gonna like get stressed out and lose all his hair. I'm balding. Eventually, you got to accept it. I'm bald. Whatever. I mean, I do still have some fuzz, but I just shave it, man. I, I go. I go to the blank. I have to say this: you can't keep paying for haircuts that make you look like shit. I did. I did for that, so that's, long. So bro. that's when the that's when the line comes to balding men. For all of you balding men out there, trust me, brothers, it sucks. But if you're paying somebody money to make you look fucking worse, just shave that thing. Yeah, shave that thing off, bro. <laughs> I, I mean, so, I, there was a point where I looked like Stephen A. Smith. I was getting shape ups, but it was going across my head like a fucking radius. Like, like it, the shape up was. I mean, when I I remember when I used to get shape ups, they used to be like on my forehead. I'm like, oh man, I got like a. I had a little widow's peak. Not anymore. Gone. All right, so the slightly balding division. I'll start with the one seed. We got Team Thank Zeke facing off against Team Alexander the Great. Uh, Thank Zeke is slightly favored to win. He got a 12.4 scoring game from Van Jefferson uh, on Thursday, so that's why he's got a little bit of an edge there. I will also say that Tim finished last place. Um, and Tim My and team Mike. sucks. <laughs> um, I made it just squeaking through with solid defense all season, the lowest points against uh, of the league. I'm the sixth seed facing off against Team KV from BK. He's um, got 14.68 up on me. Still got to make some lineup decisions with the bye weeks there for Team KV. Um, that's the sixth seed versus the three seed. I'm holding on to the six. Team KV a little bit favorited. Team Gianluca Martini is the seventh seed. He's facing off against Eagle 2080, uh, the seven versus two matchup. Very close matchup with Eagles favored by um, 61%. Then we've got the four seed versus the five seed. Team JRXDD against Team Drip C. JRXDD hit a fire start with Skarnick and Josh Jacobs on Thursday night. He has a sizable lead and sizable projections for the four and five matchup there. Uh, and yeah, there that that's the playoff seeds. Um, I, I think probably the, the closest and, and the best matchup uh, looking right now is John Luca at the seven against uh, Eagle 2080 at the two. It's going to be tight. Uh luca has got some really solid, Big ceiling guy, Stefan Diggs, Dalton Schultz, Garrett Wilson. Um, he still has Samaji P. Ryan, so might make a pivot there. Austin Eckler in the Superflex. Um, and, and Eagle 2080 on the other side has Thielen, Zay Jones, Kelsey, Stevenson, Barkley, Pacheco, Mahomes, and your boy Sam Darnold. So uh, definitely has some high-end hitters, but I, I think that could end up being a lot closer than the projections are 
leading us to believe. All right. That's it. We did it. Week 14 in the books. The next time you hear our voice, we're going to be talking about the playoffs, guys. And you're either going to be it or you're not. And if you were listening to this podcast all year, I just want to say thank you. Um, if you don't make the playoffs, I'm sorry. But we're, we're assuming that people made the playoffs. Because I feel like we were like, we got to go back and count our hit rate. But I feel like we were like 79% or something like that this year. Like our hit rate on these calls were pretty good. And uh, I'm hoping that we helped you win. And I'm hoping that everyone is playing in the playoffs next week. Uh, Matt, where can they find you? You can find me at PsychWardFF on all social media platforms. You can find me at Tim uh, Petra. Uh, no, no, that what? No, that's not at all. At Br- come on, at BrotoFF Tim, at BrotoFF Mike, at BrotoFF Jason, at BrotoFF Casanova, at Broto Fantasy, and at FF by Broto. I did it. Um, what are your thoughts on Brazil nuts? I mean, if you're in Brazil, then they're just nuts. That you know, Matt, you've had better. You've had better. Uh, I'm going to end this one on, on a different note. I just want to say uh, RIP Grant Wall. RIP Grant Wall. Later. RIP.